0: <people> it <down> I it
1: up fit it up fit it up fit it up it up
2: Welcome to the Nose Boxing Podcast, where we always get our predictions right, as long as I make them. (laughs) You did as well. Wait, 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 stop. Wait in.
1: Stop. Go on then. Um... So, you want, got fiction right. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, ladies Wait, and gentlemen, you no, look, look, Let me just H- apolo- yeah. let me just apologise for for Andy. Like, um, you guys won't know this, but behind the scenes, there's been a lot of contention. Andy's been a very angry man this weekend. It's why we postponed the podcast until today. We've needed him to calm down. He was very, very angry.
2: He got sectioned.
1: It, <clears throat> we we were concerned. I so none being right. N- none of us wanted to come to. None of us wanted to come here and record actually To be honest with you We're nervous now So I don't know if it's the iTunes feedback I don't know what it is (laughs) But something's unleashed The angry man in Jabi Alonso The bearded monster here He's unleashed today So I will be playing the role of reason, peacekeeper Because it's about to get hot So sit back, get some Horlicks Get your cup of soup I mean, get your ramen It's It's about to go
2: in <laughs> Please don't tell me that's your precursor to any lovemaking. <laughs> <laughs> you had the Terry
0: what? sex chat this yeah. week. What?
2: Tinder tips what? from last week. Well, it's just not in the next hour, guys. Come on. Sit back, get your Horlicks. It's about to go in. <laughs> okay, so, logical place to start Luke Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get <coughs> hammered by Lenaro. Is he fighting Lenares next, by the way? He's
0: in line to fight Lenares If they fight, like, Lenares may go off and do a unification. Right. I, I, I just hope that handsome little bastard doesn't do a unification. I hope he just goes and fucking fills Luke Campbell in <laughs> horrifically. Because <laughs> that Darley Perez fight was a shambles. Uh, ah, whatever. I saw Lenares stand next to him. I was like, really? <laughs> it, seems- it would be beautiful. A beautiful battering.
2: So... Can I apologise
0: on behalf of the more. pod for you tweeting that video? <laughs> and he tweeted a video of him and mates. Hey, we had some
2: loyal listeners liking that video. They loved it.
0: Oh, a fuck. <laughs> uh, no, no, thank you. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. Right. But I thought- what
2: I love the most
1: is, like, we saw where you were, Right. And it was almost as if you were just watching the thing on your fucking iPad. Well, I did tell you I wasn't the same
2: postcode as the... I was closer to Mars than I was the
1: Rick. You you were like the rest of the 40 quid ticket monkeys. Why do you even bother doing that? (laughs) It was 45 quid. Just there for the experience, mate. (laughs) We're just there for the bands.
2: I I
0: don't have an issue with it. I've Mate, it was brilliant.
2: I'm not making any apologies. That was amazing. As long as
0: you accept you're not going to get a good view of a fight, take your phone and stream it on it. Uh, Stream Sky on your phone. That I get, but you know you know you're not going. to. But you know that before you turn up, it doesn't. It's not news to you when you walk through the arena, is it?
2: No, and it was, it was painfully apparent to me at the end that, despite any view that I thought I may have had, it was it was really not sufficient in judging the uh, judging the fight and how it was going. Really, it
0: didn't stop you sending those
2: messages. so did it? Didn't
0: stop you sending a message saying that you had fucking AJ four rounds up.
2: Fucking what? I did. Yeah but i just actually i watched the, um, round 1 yesterday and it also helped me realize why where i'd gone wrong which was in that first you're round aj quid was for a ticket throwing these bombs that were missing vlad as he was dodging out the mm. way of him and, and the crowd going come on and i for ah! you will give whoever i could you're, hear me at the you're, back. You're... <laughs> so you had the crowd four
1: rounds up basically
2: <laughs> yeah yeah okay so Right, where do we start, I suppose? Um... Where do we start? Let's just...
0: Let's say, just jump in. It was brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Like, we cannot say anything other than for any shit we may have given it. I don't think we particularly did. No. I will retract 100% of any criticism I've given it before. Just to say it was a brilliant, brilliant fight. Both men come out with it. Their reputations enhanced a million percent. I saw a tweet earlier that said uh, Vladimir Klitschko's the only inactive 41-year-old who's come back to be in their prime if you base it upon every AJ fan (laughs) that is out
1: there.
0: But I'll tell you what it was for me and we've
1: discussed this many times but what makes great fights and you know there are the typical three classes there's the passing of the torch there's the resolution of a personal grudge and there's who's the number one. And in terms of passing the torch and we've discussed this numerous times on this podcast that was perfect in passing the torch because the important thing about passing the torch in boxing is you keep the money in the sport, and it's where Floyd fucked up. Floyd was supposed to lose because when Floyd left with his unbeaten record, he took hundreds of millions of dollars with him, which is why people are struggling now. Had he lost to a Garcia or a Thurman, that torch would have been passed, but with it comes the money. Look, even The Undertaker had to lose at some point. Because that's how you keep the money God, in the that's sport. That's a bit raw for me, if I'm honest, Terry. S-
2: still struggling with that one. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, that, that take it ended up
2: in Suplex City. Oh, God! <laughs> um, War Josh, sorry, hashtag War Josh at DB0187 asks On a scale of wrong to completely bloody wrong, how wrong <laughs> was Terry's fight prediction? AJ versus Vlad. War Terry, <laughs> coming up right now.
0: Okay, so. so Unleash
2: the beast. S-
1: someone's going to have to remind me about what I said.
2: Well, I think, and I could be wrong.
1: Did I say I think, that Vlad would box him? I think what he
2: was referring to was the fact that you said that, um, that Vlad was going to essentially, yeah, just wear him down. He's either going to fall apart because he's passed it or he was going to, or if it goes the 12 rounds, Vlad was going to win. AJ, you know. I don't. Well, to be fair, I, I don't think anyone expected AJ, no, eleven round knockout. Wait, 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 look. look Whatever you look, call
1: it. If you really want me to give my view on the fight, so number one, go to my damn website, www.the7wolves.com. Read what I wrote about it there.
0: Go if, there anyway. There's, it's packed with quality.
1: Yeah, thank you. That's
0: all right, you're welcome.
1: If, if, if what I've written on there is bullshit, pull me up on it, right? But what what I said, and I've thought this from day one, You have to go to the body with someone like Joshua. Vlad didn't go to the body. In that fight, AJ went to the body. And what that did is it put money in the bank for the later rounds. Because those little cuffing shots, what they do, like, look, headshots are fine because resisting a headshot's a few neck muscles and a chin. That's really what it is. In terms of energy consumption, quite low.
0: (laughs) Apart from that uppercut.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but 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 if you if if you look at just even little dinky left hooks to the body, your whole core will stabilize to use that. So with someone look, AJ's thick in the midsection deliberately to absorb these shots. Klitschko's job was literally to just keep tapping that. Whenever he was bored or ran out of ideas, just tap the body. And by round ten, hopefully AJ would have been gassing. He didn't do that, and you have to blame Jonathan Banks because that's that's three times Banks has got the tactics wrong. Um, with, let's say Klitschko trained with someone like brother Nazim Richardson completely different fight I'm not going to say he would have won but there would have been a bit more tactical now to it but I don't want to take anything away from Anthony Joshua he did the exact thing we've been asking for in this podcast week after week show us a champion's heart and will and he did that <laughs> you know I could sit here and bitch about the uppercut and go that showed me everything that's wrong with Klitschko because the old school fighters always tell you, when you dip under a left hook, just put your left arm in the way of the right hand, <laughs> just to stop it. Just stop the traffic. But Klitschko didn't, because he's not used to that. You know, why didn't Jonathan Banks tell right. him?
2: I, but I, also, he must have been fucked by that point. Right, Go on, Angie, so, man. No, I'm just... I, from what I know about Klitschko, in the beginning of, of his career, he was struggling with, with knockdowns and what have you. And, and the, the style of his fight, the style of his fight since then, has been to mitigate any any brawling because he's got a vulnerable chin right so he's just constantly with this with this you know the the jab just keeping people at distance and boxing his way out of it why couldn't he why couldn't he keep the the fight against joshua a boxing match or why couldn't you know why was joshua able to turn it into a fight that's my question aj because he just kept coming forward and the thing is look but, so that's impossible to defend against? No, 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 no
1: nothing's ever impossible. Um, movement and timing will do everything for you. And then, look, let's be clear about this, right? Prior to that 11th round uppercut, within one round or so, like Klitschko could have been up. It's arguable Klitschko was up in that fight, okay? So what he was doing was working. That round 11, and we discussed it prior to recording here, that round 11 is almost as if Klitschko's will, his mind realized he was 41 years old and having been to that mountaintop and dominated for a decade, maybe his desire to sit at the top and then have to defend it for another couple of years isn't as great as Anthony Joshua's desire to sit there for the first time. And at that point there, the uppercut then probably forced his hand and went, look, I only have to do this for another 12 rounds next anyway. And the because something seemed to go in Klitschko after that uppercut, which is understandable.
0: His senses.
1: <laughs> it's almost like his whole life force was committed to resisting that uppercut. And then there was nothing left. And I'm okay with a champion going out like that. I don't think he could have done anything more. But if you look at Klitschko physically, he didn't look that bad. He looked like, you know, if you would said to him, look, you got a cool down session on Sunday. He looks like he could have done it. I just think mentally he just didn't, He he couldn't go to that dark place anymore.
2: Okay. Um, Dan, uh, at Hill041, asks... Danny! Well, actually, he says, great podcast. Thank you very Thank much, Thank you, Dan. Danny. Cheers, Dan. Appreciate that. Uh, hey, have
1: you left a review? Five-star recommendation? Have you told three friends about us?
2: <laughs> and have you made sure that in your review you omit my name?
1: <laughs> and, and and are you retweeting actively the content? Like, like you got to spread
0: the word. Wait, he, he said, yeah, great podcast. We've told him off. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not doing enough. <laughs> yeah. That's for have everyone. Have you been
2: leafleting? Like, come on, Dan. We're never um, going to
0: get elected on this basis.
2: <laughs> has Vladimir shown the blueprint of how to beat AJ? And is there an, anyone out there... Well, in fact, I know what you're going to say here. Any, anyone out there capable of carrying it out? Martin. Oh, has he shown the blueprint? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can come in, obviously. But... Um, I mean, the blueprint...
0: Look, Joshua was there to be hit through the fight. Uh, I don't think you necessarily need a blueprint to be able to defeat that. I think they need to be where... Wary... <laughs> I was surprised Joshua didn't use the right hand more as a lead right, because um, Klitschko, when he wasn't using that jab as a, um, as the fencing jab as Terry describes it, which a good analogy for it, which my wife also thought meant that Klitschko was into fencing. <coughs> Shout out to Claire, <laughs> at least she listens. Um, Have you explained dogging yet? <laughs> oh, she, she listens. Oh. No, I haven't explained dogging to my wife.
2: Uh... (laughs) Yeah, whilst we were all having a Sunday family rose the other way. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, whilst we were out having sex in a car, I explained it to (laughs) (laughs)
0: her. Yeah, I was was surprised that Joshua didn't use that lead right more. But anyway, go back to the question. Um, Is there a blueprint to it? I think Joshua showed that he can prepare very well for a fight. And that the left hook, the one that comes off of the jab from Klitschko was one that Joshua was able to nullify quite well, that he was ducking every time, ducking. It wasn't the most scientific of uh, ducks or anything like that, but he was getting out of the way of it, and that's all that really matters at the end of the day. He didn't get caught by it too much. But he was there for the right hand quite often. So I think what it probably shows is that Joshua and his team, McCracken, etc., are very good at preparing for a danger. So somebody like Wilder, who's only got that big right hand, I, I would think that Joshua and his team would be able to nullify that big right hand of Wilder, possibly in the same way that they practiced probably for hours and hours to nullify that left hook slash jab of Klitschko. So I, don't, I think he's probably quite an adaptable fighter. Again, we're only really going to know that when he goes through more challenging fights, which hopefully he will from now on. Um, I think someone like Fury, I know it's an obvious answer, but Fury would be able to adapt himself during the fight to change that around, Cause for Klitschko, once that jab hook wasn't doing anything, then he had to start thinking again. So he's going back to the, the standard jab. Whereas Fury, I think, would be able to adapt in various ways throughout a fight as a thinking man. That Um the, Klitschko didn't necessarily have that ability to do. I'd love to see... Who wouldn't? I mean, we'll come on to it later, I suppose. But who wouldn't want to see Fury um, getting in there with him? But I don't see any other heavyweight out there necessarily being able to take Joshua out? Because just look at that heart that he had on Saturday night. I don't see any, apart from the wilder right hand, I don't see any other weapon in the heavyweight division, aside from Fury's skill set, that would be able to stop or beat Anthony Joshua.
1: The guy that will beat Joshua is a combination puncher. And Klitschko has never been a combination puncher. It is break him down with a jab, get that right hand through the guard, when you've scattered their defences, it's that left hook that normally does the damage. And then Klitschko will probably work on taking you out. So, if you are going to go after Joshua, I think here are the core elements of defeating him. Number one, you've got to punch in combinations. You've got a minimum of three shots. When, when you get within range, you've got to let these three shots go. Two reasons. One, at least one of them's going to land. Two it makes him work and expend energy. You do not want him having anything in the tank in round eight. So you've got to be that guy that can throw relaxed punches and combinations that force him to defend. You then need the size. I don't care what anyone says. Klitschko looked like a child in there compared to AJ. I don't know how they're 10 pounds apart in weight because AJ looked significantly bigger. So I don't, you know, love David Hayter pieces. I don't think David's got the size to... (laughs) to literally go the distance. So, you know, it's a small pool of people. I disagree with about Wilder. I think Wilder can, because the thing about Wilder is as crazy and wild as he is, pardon the pun, he has a right uppercut and every heavyweight in boxing is open to the uppercut because they're so used to taking the headshots. Look what AJ did with his uppercut. So, Wilder throws a good uppercut. You saw what he did to Spilker with that uppercut. So, You know, was that a more deadly uppercut than AJ's on Klitschko? Maybe, don't know, but Wilder has that in his locker. Fury's great because you can't prepare for him. He'll be awkward, he'll box you southpaw, orthodox, keep you at range. You're going to have to work hard just to keep up with him and you'll realise how tiring it is when a man that big is on top of you. So there are guys that can beat AJ, but then AJ will get better. Those guys in Sheffield will, will find the secret serum as well. They'll find something new for him. And no, just for the record, I'm not saying he's doping. You know, I don't believe that for a second. Do I believe that those guys at the England Institute of Sport have legal compounds that the university has in research quantities? Perhaps. Perhaps, he, perhaps he's using stuff like tomatidine, which is not illegal, so no one can sue me. Tomatidine is a supplement that has been shown to have anabolic effects and it's a natural occurring supplement as his apple peel extract. So there are all kinds of things that could explain how AJ is able to do these sorts of things and where his position now gives him access to nutritional supplements that no one else probably has access to. But he's he's beatable. It'll take someone special to beat him.
2: Stuart Dayden asks, has AJ <laughs> proved he's not just hype? Yes. Should he fought? Uh, then he goes on to ask, should he fight Ortiz before Wilder?
0: I think he should. Um, I don't think he will. I think Ortiz is, I think Hearn put it very well. Because there's a year left now between Hearn and AJ uh, on their contract. I can't imagine Hearn doing anything other than just getting the big fights in now. Because a year, you've got two fights, realistically, for, for AJ. Um Whether AJ renews with with her, and I know we've all got our kind of own ideas on it. Um, Terry, I know you're quite hot on the idea that AJ will go his own way and make all the money himself, which I think is perfectly understood. It depends how much money he wants to make in his life. But if there's a year left, if we were to say, and this probably comes down to what the scenarios are and what's going on in AJ's head as to whether he becomes his own promoter or whether he sticks with her, if he's had talks already, which he would probably have had to, about going his own way, then Hearn will no doubt look to make those big, big fights over the next 12 months. Wilder, Parker, Fury, don't know. um, But they're the ones. So Luis Ortiz, you're not going to sell out Wembley with Luis Ortiz. You're not going to be able to go over to the United Arab Emirates. You're not going to be able to go to China. You're not going to be able to do it in America with Luis Ortiz because he's just not that recognisable a name. He may be to boxing fans, but... He's one of the ones that you'd use to fill the gaps in between the big fights. Because he can't have... He can't sell out Wembley with 90,000 people for the rest of his career. Like, he's going to be going back to the O 2 He'll be taken abroad. He'll be a stage show for a period of time. Kubrat Pulev, Luis Ortiz, they're the ideal fighters to fill those gaps between the mega fights that presumably uh, Hearn would want to kind of be looking at. So... Uh, I don't know. I don't think you should rule out a Klitschko rematch possibly over in Germany because that'll generate huge money over there.
1: Um, I find it interesting. So the IBF have ordered a mandatory. Joshua's just beating Klitschko as a rematch clause. Are they going to strip him today as well, like they did with Fury? Because if you remember, that's why they allegedly stripped Fury because he had a rematch clause and that's not who they wanted to fight. And I think this clause says the AJ Klitschko fight has to happen next Which I think is interesting Because what it does is It gives Klitschko A contractual right That has economic value So Klitschko will not tell you He's retiring Because he he's the biggest blocker To AJ having a big fight next Because that's That's AJ's automatic next fight So they have to pay Klitschko money To say well alright Vlad We don't want to fight you We want to go and fight Deontay Wilder Here's some money What will happen? Vlad will take that money and say to Parker, here's three million. Fight me for that WBO belt. I think Vlad beats Parker. <laughs> Vlad then gets the belt and he looks at AJ and goes, let's,
2: <laughs> let's do guy. it for,
1: let, let's do it for all the belts. So so there are a lot of interesting machinations, but credit where credit is due to both sides for getting that rematch clause in <clears> because it has real economic value because it's a blocker to a number of big fights, but it's also a guarantee that everyone does well out of this whole scenario. So I find that really interesting. Um, Who will he fight next? The IBF have mandated Pulev to fight, I think it's within six months of this fight.
0: And the WBA have said, you've got to fight with Teeth by the end of the year. The, the WBA, I'm sure it's the WBA, I think it was, that came out and said, uh, oh, you know, we'll see what happens afterwards if Joshua wins. I think their term was, it's an open window. And so like, we'll see where the most money sits. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Basically what he should have said was like, we're not going to, we're not going to restrict where he can go with it because the WBA will want the biggest fights for it. So they basically said, look, we've got a fight lined up, but we'll see. (laughs) But my sense
1: is he may have to vacate one of those belts this year. Unless, unless they want to, you know, give, I mean, I don't know how much pool has made in step aside money Because he's been mandatory for a while and AJ hasn't fought a mandatory.
0: But can we just say, like, how much this makes you appreciate how hard Klitschko worked all those 10 years when he was at the top. He never dropped a belt. He held those belts and fulfilled every mandatory fight that he had for each of them. Which meant we had some shit fights, like Alex Leopie springs out straight away. But he still took those fights and he went through the motions of every single mandatory defence that we had. And now... Two days after Joshua's fight, we're already talking. And whether that's because of rematch clauses, etc, etc. We went through the whole Fury thing of belts being stripped, vacated. Now we're going through it with Joshua, two days on, talking about which belt he's going to drop because he's got Pulev, he's not going to be a glamour fight. He's got Ortiz, isn't really a glamour fight. It just makes you appreciate how much Vladimir Klitschko did for those belts. I want to
1: go off completely off-piste here. Andy's Andy's tensing up as I say this. I know a lot of people are going to give AJ stick And we're going to talk about The fights he's had and the fights he's going to have I just want to share something with you You take a boxer A black guy from an impoverished background Goes through the amateur system Does his thing Looks impressive Turns over Meteoric rise You know Starts to clean up the belts And then You know Feed him an aging veteran Feed him an aging veteran who's been out the ring for nearly two years. Deals with it. Looks impressive. The world is impressed. Sound familiar to anybody? Can anyone guess who that is?
2: Well, I don't. I, I know what you're getting at, but I don't know who you're talking about. Mike Tyson.
1: So let's go through Tyson. Tyson beats Trevor Burbick for the WBC belt. Burbick was trash. Apart, The only reason we know Burbick is he's the guy that gave Ali his last beating. That's the... Only reason a boxing fan knows who Trevor Burbick is, he he was a jobbing heavyweight in a very average era. He then goes on to fight James Bonecrusher Smith, the guy who Frank Bruner basically beat the crap out of until Bonecrusher Smith landed a lucky punch on him. Average, just average, More, you know. And then who did he win the IBF belt off? Tony Tucker. Who, do you know who Tony Tucker is? <laughs> no. So, Mike Tyson, (coughs) the legend of the heavyweight division, unified the belt against three people you don't know. And you will never know unless you go and read Tyson's autobiography. Throw in guys like Tony Tubbs. Throw in guys like Terrell Biggs. And then you get to Larry Holmes, who they dug up for this exact purpose, pass on the torch. Holmes had lost twice to Spinks in 85 and 86. Fights Tyson in 88. Gets obliterated. You know? So... Well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is what we're seeing with Joshua is not new. It is rare for a heavyweight to have the CV like someone of a Carl Froch. It is rare. Um, you look at someone like, who did Holyfield for guys like Tommy Morrison? Uh, Michael Dokes um, Then he took his belt off James Buster Douglas. You know, It's rare. for Because there's so few really good heavyweights, and I know we all clamor for the big fights, but let's think about the fights that never happened in our time on this earth, Bo Lewis, Tyson McCall, uh, Lennox Lewis against Vladimir, you know, the list goes on. Look, even Frank Bruner versus Gary Mason, these fights have never happened. So let's temper our enthusiasm for big fights with the realization that in the heavyweight division, revenue matters more than legacy.
2: There is a question from Daniel Saint. He asks one for Terry
0: well, well, whoa, whoa. Before we do this, Daniel Saint gave us our Tinder tips feedback from last week.
2: Yes, actually. It was directed at Terry. Um, the I important took, stuff. I took Terry's advice of spamming yes on everything.
0: <laughs> everything. I, thing, everything. If,
2: if you were predisposed to that behaviour, I'm struggling to figure out why you haven't sort of realised you can do that yourself. But
0: the term, not everyone, everything. <laughs> <laughs>
2: What a disgusting human Daniel Saint <laughs> had a rather successful in quotes date end quotes on Friday. I wonder what it means <laughs> It means Terry's me tips work. So this is New Age Boxing and getting laid onto the podcast.
0: <laughs> Wait, a minute, what was your weekend admit?
2: <laughs> please please.
1: <laughs> Wow <laughs> Were you guys together? Was it one of those, like, group Tinder and you were, like, swiping yeah. collectively? Wait, yeah. did
2: you and Daniel meet up? Yeah, we did. I see, we yeah.
0: <laughs> Daniel got laid. Was it in Kettering, Daniel? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just need to put this out on the podcast. Daniel is the taker.
1: He's <laughs> <His> little spoon. <laughs> oh, wow. He's a very teaspoon. Wee spoon. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, May twentieth, you can find them. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to team up with—I can't even say the guy's name. Or I'll get soon. Team. Team Cross and Team Yeah. <laughs>
2: right. this, this is like, yeah, driving down a muddy dead end road. <laughs> now. One for Terry. We're reversing from, up Legal Avenue from here. Daniel. From Daniel saying again. One for Terry. If he was to be training someone for AJ. Based on that fight, what would he be working on?
1: Um, I think I alluded to earlier. So, for me, the jab is everything. I think Klitschko showed AJ's susceptible to a good jab. And if you can do it the right way, you're going to disrupt his... You're going to disrupt AJ's rhythm. You're going to beat AJ with combinations and movement. So, you've literally got to be you know raiding him. But I'd be focusing a lot on body work. So... One thing AJ did that I'm going to give him credit for is he was just banging Klitschko to the body with the right hand. And people go, oh, why was he doing that? Do you know what that does? That right hand to the body is always going to land. And what it lets you know is, I have real power. And it's part of creating that, that sense of, of panic and terror in an opponent. Because if you're doing that round after round and it still is painful, what Klitschko realizes is you're not getting tired. So it's combinations, it's working the body, it's being dynamic. So making sure that you can dip in pivots. I mean, The key thing is just keep making AJ miss because one of the things people don't realize, when AJ is at his best, he has a tempo of 112 effective moves a minute. Not that he does that for three minutes of every round, but at his best, he can move that. So (laughs) if you can find a, a tech house track, for example, which is 112 BPM, and you matched it to AJ's movements, it would be like he was dancing to the beat. So you need someone who can operate round after round at about 120 effective moves per minute, which is a hell of a lot. You're looking at like 300 effective moves per round. If you can do that and you can move and you know I mean be, def- Sorry again. be defensively sound, I think you will handily beat AJ. The other option is just to be like Tyson Fury and be awkward as fuck.
0: Can I set that tech house track to round six? and just see if it matches his foot movement (laughs) like yeah like his legs were just gone weren't they like it was so weird to see because he had such success and then just it seemingly like you know when you're playing a computer game like FIFA yeah you know when you're playing FIFA and like you just hold down the sprint button throughout yeah and then, like, your player is absolutely fucked after about 30 seconds. People
2: who can play FIFA are like, no. Well, trust me, when you're as bad at FIFA as I am... Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: that's, <laughs> that's all I, that. I ever do. I get Aaron Lennon and I run as fast as I can, right? <laughs> or, or do you remember Friday Fight Night? And
1: you'd get <laughs> hit. Power
2: shots.
0: Do you know, do you remember you'd get hit and then the music... <laughs> be... Yeah, yeah. But he never got hit. That's what was so strange about it.
2: Didn't he get? He got hit in the fifth, didn't he, by two really powerful shots? That but uh, he managed to almost lose a round that he'd knocked Klitschko down. Yeah, but it
0: it seemed as if he got hit because he would like emptied his gas tank on the attack, and then he was like, "Shit, I don't know what to do." Yeah, like Klitschko got back up. Yeah, yeah, and then it was like, right, my gas tank has now gone. And I don't know what to I do. I think
2: he thought he'd finished him off. That's what I think he I think thought. He's gone, he thought. And then if you think of that success. like a Terminator but and but he thought,
0: of, oh shit. Yeah, the human body, that success, when you get that adrenaline rush that will go through you. And that adrenaline when Klitschko hits the floor and Joshua turned around, he's pointed to the corner. Klitschko's getting the count. And that adrenaline goes and goes and goes. And then it will just crash straight. Yeah. And that's what seemed to happen. Well, is that, you
2: give, sorry. Oh. No, no, go for it. Oh, You've you got to give credit to Klitschko there, haven't you? Because I he got up when he got up and then he then he was effective as well yeah
0: he didn't just get up and like stumbled about he yeah. got up and went back and like right I'm going to try and reassert myself upon this and I think at that point I think Terry said it last week that we wanted to see Joshua go through the mental pain the mental torture and that's when it started that's the moment it started is when Klitschko got back to his feet and Joshua was like fuck like is that when the Undertaker <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what I expected oh i made it, him it, mad yeah, <laughs> is that when the Undertaker sits up <laughs> Yeah yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah. And so like at that point it must have been that adrenaline crash everything else just kind of seemed to fall apart just for the next 3 minutes of his life. But how brilliant was it like as a spectacle to see Joshua and I don't mean this as in like oh yeah I love seeing Joshua get smashed. How brilliant was it to see him get smashed on the floor on his hands and knees like almost crawling to the rope to get up and then got up and then he was still visibly fucked and he held on. Yeah. Like I'm not patriotic about boxing particularly I don't support a fighter because he's British over somebody else I just support who I like in the ring but like seeing that was something special like a special moment to see him have that tenacity heart you can't necessarily say chin because his chin had just been fucked by that right hand They just detonated and that little it wasn't even the right hand well it was the right hand clearly but if you see it Klitschko walks over him and then throws a left hand at him yeah. on the way down <laughs>
2: oh I did see that yeah yeah yeah
0: I did see that well naughty yeah. he just because he absolutely detonates that right hand over the top and a lot of people before him were saying about Joshua's got the better power out of the two he doesn't like that right hand from Klitschko I said it before right hand from Klitschko is the most dangerous weapon probably within the heavyweight division accurate it seemingly came out of nowhere with that punch Joshua was not expecting it But 1 million percent credit to him for getting on his hands and knees, looking around that stadium and probably going, I ain't got a clue where I am, but I'm going to get up (laughs) and I'm going to try and get those belts. I I saw it differently.
1: It almost looked
0: like that was a well rehearsed
1: move because he got hit and he got up and you could see his instinct was to get straight back up and he got on his knees and you could see him. He He was almost like listening up for the count. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Let me get up
2: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. There, yeah. there was, there was yeah, something I, I about that, that where
1: he looked like he was prepared for that and I was like, hmm
2: Like, basically, he, he, he sort of leapt up halfway and then he was like, oh, no, wait a minute. Take my time. And then he... Was st- Mark Prince there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, private joke. <laughs> uh,
0: and then he stood up Did and- anyone smell weed there? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask him for a friend. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, look. We all have to be
1: impressed with what AJ did because Yes, Klitschko may have been old and inactive and he got beat by Fury and stuff like that. AJ fought him in his nineteenth fight. Come on, man. Like and he's still a novice. And one, one thing I want and, to get go-
2: Klitch's still a good fighter, isn't
1: he? Yeah, top 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 five in the world right now at heavyweight. But it goes back to and I remember having a conversation with a guy called John Oliver. He's Spencer Oliver's uncle and If you've been watching a lot of the AJ build-up, John Oliver and Sean Murphy have been prominent characters because they're from the Finchley Boxing Club. And for years, like, John was telling me, Johnny Oliver, as he likes to be known, was telling me, I I know you think he's all hype, but I'm telling you now, not many people will be able to beat this guy because... No one will work harder than him. No one wants it more than he does. And you know when you're like, ah, yeah, whatever. Heard it before. Yeah, yeah. You said the same shit about your sore or whatever. Nah. excuse me. Nah. And I saw that on Saturday, and all of a sudden I was like, he's absolutely right. Because I remember now. I had to go back into the archives, but I had seen some of AJ's amateur bouts and didn't even realize we were watching some special <laughs> because you know. Six foot six black guy in London boxing at super heavyweight. Ooh, <laughs> shocker. <laughs> so you're like, whatever, man, now he won, you know, I guess I'll see him on the door, moonlighting or whatever it is. <laughs> and then when someone told me, yeah, that was Anthony Joshua, you're like, oh, and congratulations to the guy. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm nailing myself. I'm saying I'm an AJ fan because I want to watch him fight because they're going to be AJ fights. My question is this. How long can he hold himself together physically? Because you look at the shape he's in, 250 pounds of muscle. He could wrestle in the Royal Rumble and not look out of place right now. Did you see the legs on him? Wow. But how long can you do that before the elbow gives in and you tear a bicep or you tear a pec or a hamstring starts to go? That's what we need to ask ourselves. You know, How long is it until the years of intense training, being that big, being that fast, being that strong, catches up with him.
2: Okay, I have a question. You mentioned his future fights and whatnot now. My question would be, once he's... Once he's got those fights out of the way, let's and for argument's sake, let's say he manages to beat everyone that you can put forward now, like Fury, Wilder. Who's the who's the top biggest three fights we can think of? Wilder and Fury and who Arca on the right. basis he's got a belt. Right. So he beats them three. Is it then a bit of a once he's there isn't that Isn't the ride of getting to that point going to be more interesting than when he gets there?
0: This is what we were saying earlier about the respect (laughs) you have to give Klitschko for 10 years of going through those motions. In that he had the big fights in in that period of time. So the likes of, I mean at the time, it was Povetkin, it was Pulev, etc. They're not massive names to any of us now, but at the time Povetkin was built up to be a monster... But he also had to go through the... You know, that was the up, but then there was the down. There was, you know, we mentioned him earlier, Alex Leopie. Terrible fighter from New Zealand. <laughs> awful, awful. Um, so, yes, I mean, inevitably, it's hard to get motivated, you would suspect. If you're coming off the back... This is why I say I think Hearn's going to have to try and cash out if it is the last year they've got together. But if you're coming off the back of 90,000 at Wembley, how is it going to be possible for him to then get excited about, I don't know how many the O2 holds, 25,000? 25,000 for Kubrat Pulev. He's not going to be that excited about it, surely. So, I mean, it must be hard to keep him that motivated in the gym. And again, give massive credit to Klitschko for keeping that motivation without getting complacent at any point during those 10 years to take on every newcomer that, that kind of stepped through his door and he dealt with each of them sufficiently.
2: Well, it surprised me, given that we've spoken about this in the past, of how the fights that Joshua has taken on, you're like, oh, what a waste of time this is. That after the fight, he starts talking about Fury, because I thought, not knowing anything about those contracts, I thought, right, that was brilliant. I loved that fight, after, obviously, the Klitschko fight. And I'm thinking, but now I've got to watch three crappy fights before he fights someone good, because I was so used to this crappy... Well, that's not fair. Because... Because... We have governing,
1: we've got sanctioning bodies and we've got belts for a reason, right? You've got to work your way up the ladder. That, that's the truth. If we keep creating these dream belts, which I'm not against, let's just dispense with the idea of belts.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, right. But because, what I'm trying to get at, I wasn't, he I'm not saying you should one. fight yeah. for a belt every time. What I'm saying is that before this fight, well, you, you guys were you know, saying got them he hasn't learnt anything. <clears throat> so where were those fights I want what I would have perform- I mean don't get me wrong I love this fight right but what I would have liked to have seen is a few Anton Joshua fights prior to this where the general boxing community were like this is going to be tough for AJ and if he gets through it he will learn a lot what
0: you're saying is that AJ got that belt too early that's your point is yeah, that yeah, well I can already
2: see the, the top of the mountain but if
0: he didn't have that belt right now if he was like every <laughs> other heavyweight after 19 fights he would be taking challenges that would teach him different lessons and now he doesn't have that option to pick and choose if he wants to keep those belts. Whereas if he didn't have those belts, if they didn't rush Charles Martin over here, bum him, take his belts, leave him back to America <laughs> to go and get mental health issues, then he would still be able to be in a position where he can learn, you know, the tricks but, of the trade without but, having to. But take let's be the honest. Mandatory.
1: Seat. Let's be honest. I don't. In the heavyweight division, I think the learning curve is greatly overrated. In the heavyweight division, if you can knock people out, whether it's one punch or overwhelm them with a volume of punches, what are you really learning? You need the seasoning, by all means. You need that seasoning that says you can take a shot and you can do the distance. But whether he needs to learn to box southpaw, these are heavyweights, they're clumsy, not many of them are skilled. So there's no point. He is where he is now. And all he needs to do now is focus on what's best for his career and his legacy. If he's going to call out Fury, fair enough. But I think deep down he understands that he's only doing it because Fury's been inactive. If if Fury were to come back, fight someone like a Manuel Char, fight someone like a Christian Hammer, you know, get Irk or Robert Hellenius, or the winner of Hellenius and Chisora. Let's just say he had three quick fights in about nine months and he got some form back and he's looking, AJ'd go quiet again. But right now, if you call Fury out and you you appeal to that sense of ego that Fury has, you might catch him cold. That's what you're hoping for. You don't want Fury, who's been living the life for a couple of years and is hungry again. You don't want that because just like AJ will, he'll go to hell, go to hell and back because fighting means a lot to him. Success means a lot to him. And he's carrying that hurt of, but I beat Klitschko and they drag me through the mud. They're not doing that for him. And it's that sense of injustice you imagine is going to get Fury back in the ring
2: and get him hungry. Well, I also noticed that one of his videos the other day said, I'm going to come back, I'm going to reclaim the heavyweight title, then I'm going to vacate it again, and then I'm going to reclaim it again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like he was having to set himself this mental challenge of reaching that, that peak. Because I felt like, just to go back to that analogy I was setting, that's the same thing that I did Undid Fury. I think that when he won against Fu- uh, Klitschko, he thought that's it, I've got nothing left to prove. And so therefore his motivation fell out. Whereas he seems to have found another motivation for himself, which is prove everyone wrong yet. I, but, I think if he's looking for validation from mainstream media, it would be fighting forever. But um, yeah. I, I, d- I tell you what, <coughs> I saw
1: him on the pads. There's a little clip of him on the pads in my band. How. How sharp did he look for a 25-stone man? Jeez. He, he's probably the sixth best heavyweight right now.
2: Anthony at Albion Ant asks, Did AJ's great knockout overshadow how vulnerable he looked at stages? Nope.
0: I think
1: dangerous David Hay would have looked at that and gone, I'd have finished him. I imagine Bell, you would have been like, if I can throw a left hook, if I land my left hook on his chin, he'll he'll be. I mean, I can deal with it. I can finish that. But I think Bell, you also said on the radio, I think he was just like, nah, I don't want any part of AJ. You know, I, that's a fight I don't need. I'll pick on some of my own size.
0: I think people um, are acknowledging how vulnerable AJ looked, and I think that's only going to make him more money in the future because who, t- if he was completely bulletproof as a heavyweight it would almost start to become boring. But who didn't enjoy As I said earlier, that you spectacle. You said about, about
2: Khan, actually. You yeah. found it exciting because he could just drop at any minute. Yeah, well. <laughs> like,
0: We've seen him take now a handful of decent punches in his career. The Dillian White left hook, which left him on wobbly legs. And if White was a better finisher and his shoulder was in place and he wasn't a bit tubby, he could have gone in for the kill. Vladimir Klitschko, that right hand detonating over the top. There's also a common theme here, that fighters seem to be wary of going in for the kill when AJ looks hurt. Which, granted, we've only seen it twice, but White couldn't get in and do it. Klitschko almost stepped off when he had the opportunity to do it. It's almost a common theme, whether that's because people know that AJ has these, like, fucking magical recovery powers, um, whether he's still a dangerous fighter when he's just been on the floor... If, you know, certain fighters can get their minds together a lot quicker than other fighters, I don't know. Um, but but just wary of, like, the artillery coming in. Like, I would be. I'd them. still be looking over the ring <laughs> seeing a 17-stone black geezer about to punch me in the face. <laughs> Irrespective.
1: Um, but also, also, they're not combination punches. And if you look at really good finishes, they're accurate and they throw combinations. And I'm trying to think of a heavyweight who is good at combinations... David Hayes is probably the only one I can think of who's at that elite level. Maybe Fury as well. Who will throw a volley of 15 or 20 shots when you're up against the ropes so the referee goes, you've had enough,
0: mate. But I think the fact is as well, when AJ went down and got back up, if, in some computer game-esque mythical land, if AJ was in the other corner fighting AJ, he'd have finished him. Agreed. AJ would have been able to finish a man as hurt as AJ was, I don't believe for a second that he would have let him off the hook the way that Klitschko did. I believe he'd have been able to step in and do it. That said, we'd also seen from AJ that he wasn't able to finish Klitschko off when he was clearly quite hurt. But he, he tried. He went in and tried to yeah. do it. And that's where Klitschko didn't try. As you say, he doesn't necessarily have that instinct, those skill sets to be able to go in and throw the combinations. But AJ did manage to do it you know, in the 11th round and that will forever go down in history. Yeah.
1: It's strange because if you remember old Vlad, the Freddie Roach trained Vlad, who used to just come out all guns blazing like Joshua does now, just I'm smashing people to pieces. And that's why he was always considered more entertaining than his brother. And then he got the, I don't know which one it was. Was it the Corey Sanders one or the Lehman Brewster one where he just got, he got put down and it was like, uh, I'm going to Emmanuel Stewart. And Emmanuel Stewart, has not is he's not notorious for creating vicious body punches. Someone will say Gerald McClellan, someone will say Mike McCallum, but I think they came to Stewart relatively late with their <coughs> boxing identities established. Guys like Tommy Hearns weren't killers, but they were also vulnerable, so they boxed like that. And I think Klitschko's got a bit of that, where he boxes like he understands his vulnerabilities. And I found it strange that as he's heading towards the home stretch, he must have felt like he was ahead because he was still bouncing on his feet, and physically he looked good. Let's be clear about this. But at no point did he cover up. Do you notice that? Like when he got when the pressure was on, his whole defensive structure went to Is pieces. He to panic. Yeah, he he didn't have that thing where, like Eubank used to say, touch your fingers on your forehead and cover up. That's all he would have had to do. Cover up. Slide back, slide to the side, get your air back. He looked like a ranked novice when he was under pressure. And I think AJ would have prepared that way. He would have said, look, at some point, it's going to come on top. And at that point, I need to cover up, circle off, get my air back, work again.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, how exciting as well. Let's give AJ, again, the credit that he deserves for this. How exciting is it to see a fighter switch their modes of attack between rounds? And so he comes out very slowly for those first two rounds he almost builds that momentum up. And then he just comes out, like, bang. I love that. Out of the blocks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. out of the blocks, he comes out. And must have, like, shocked Klitschko.
2: Oh, yeah. It, it ruins the it rhythm. a couple of rounds where he did exactly that. And it shocked, well, from my perspective, it shocked me. I was like, I weren't ready for it. It was like... I wasn't ready for it. Neck-jolting G-force as he goes, bang. Yeah, this. but, like, <laughs> Klitschko settled
0: into that rhythm by that point. Four or five rounds of, like, nothing too fast nothing too quick and then, and then boom, just joshua decides <laughs> this is when i'm going for it and it's almost yeah. like you know when you watch the tour de france for like two minutes because that's all anyone ever watches the tour de france for <laughs> but you, you'll see that whole cycle the the pack of riders together in the peloton or whatever it's called yeah, yeah and then one of them will just go like right i've had enough of this bang. and like bang goes for it that's almost like the joshua approach to how he he came into those rounds it's like we both matched each other like for like now I'm gonna have my go at going out in front, and if you can keep up with me, then fair play. Yeah,
1: and that's what Cliché didn't have. He didn't have that that gear. That, yes,
0: that gear you could
1: slip into to say you're vulnerable at this point. I'm now gonna. I'm not gonna give you what I just gave you. I want to move up a level now. Right. So you're like shit.
2: So if we say that that's let's go going forward, um, imagine that that's AJ's tactic. Maybe he um. This is what he does in 12 round fights he just goes at certain points in the fight, just goes bang and then he's which fighters in the world can cope with that Wilder
1: what cause Wilder's got the foot speed you you're not you're not going to bolt at Wilder Wilder's an ex what is he, ex basketball player he, when it comes to when it comes to feet balance and whatnot you've got to give Wilder credit Wilder can move people can say his punches are wild and they're crazy point taken. His his foot speed and his ability to hold his balance is impressive.
2: Has Wilder who has Wilder proved himself
1: against Stavern? Stavern and and Spils. I think Spilka's a tough guy, and and you notice how no one's called out Spilker, That that'd be a great name on the CV. It's, Wilder's done that, but the problem he has is he hasn't done it against. He needs to do it against a guy like Brazil, someone who's six foot seven as well.
0: But then he had Gerald Washington. Gerald Washington outboxed him for the best part of eight nine but rounds.
1: Most people do what you know. I, I believe this. Wilder's thing is this: I'm going to enjoy myself in the ring. I'm in no rush because I'm going to land. And when I land, it's over. That's the sense I get with Wilder that he knows what his bread and butter is, and he doesn't deviate from that. It is literally: I want to stun you
0: with the straight right. And then I'm just going to go mad. But then it's all a matter of how you take it, isn't it? Because there's a great video clip. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it at all. There's floating around Twitter, which is Klitschko land in that right hand, that kind of detonating right hand off Joshua's chin. Joshua just, you know, falling. And then there's one where he does the same to Fury, and Fury, when that right hand comes, is able to cover with the glove off his chin and roll the punch, and so he doesn't take the full effect of the exactly exactly the same punch <laughs> of the two. But Fury is able to anticipate it, roll it, cover some of it, and shakes his head at him straight after. Just stands (laughs) back up, shakes his head, and then they carry
2: on. I I, I don't remember which punch it was. It might have been the same punch, but I remember specifically Fury getting absolutely tanked by one of his punches, and his eyes turn to dinner plates, he shakes his head and then he cracks on and it was brilliant. It may well be it, the same yeah, one.
0: I If you look at when Terry's talking about, uh, you know, Wilder has that ability, but Fury, he has that ability to read the punch slightly better than Joshua, which comes from the years of experience and not then how many fights has Joshua had in his career? Foundation, 45? But it's, it's your boxing foundation. So so Fury, Fury
1: will do it like a almost like an old school cross-handed block. If you look at a guy like Archie Moore, more modernly, someone like a Tim Witherspoon, where really like they turn away to their right and they put their right hand up and have their left shoulder all pointed there as a defensive wall, which not many not many heavyweights do now. And I don't really want to bang my own drum, but having you know spent a few hours speaking to Lennox Lewis, it's something we actually, <laughs> we, we were discussing that, how no one uses the old school defensive techniques. One thing I gave Vlad credit for, when people say, why didn't AJ throw the right hand? When Vlad would jab, he'd elongate his body. So what he would do with his jab is he'd put his jab inside of AJ's right hand. So you couldn't even come over the top because there's just a big arm in the way. And you know all those little things there that AJ probably hadn't seen before, but that experience is good because he's now going to work on how to overcome those. You know, congratulations on that. And, but I still look at that uppercut and I was somewhat disappointed that Klitschko didn't, you know, he hasn't got those old school instincts. He's very Eastern European when he boxes. So he didn't nullify the right arm. He, he ducks under a right hook. He knows that hand's not a threat anymore. And he didn't just grab onto Joshua. Anything he had put onto Joshua in terms of just grabbing him or touching him
2: would have killed that uppercut
1: straight away. And he'd have probably lived to fight the 11th and 12th round.
2: Umar, which I'm not going to... UMZ underscore 1997. Nine nine you said um, ages ago you are going to stop... The I, was, I, I was. Gonna, uh, but I was going to... If I just spell them out. Go, Do you think the stoppage was dodgy as AJ wasn't landing anything clean? If the ref stopped AJ in the same scenario, would there be outrage?
0: Can I say, I think the refereeing was brilliant in the fight. I think just in general, the referee. Because there were a couple of, you know, the first knockdown in the 11th round, it took a long, and I know we've had a disagreement about this over text, and his view is it's corrupt. Klitschko was given too long to recover. I don't know where you're coming from. And Richie Woodall. And Richie Woodall. (laughs) Fuck Richie Woodall. Don't care about his opinion. Um, Don't forget, the referee's priority in there is to keep both fighters safe. Like, as much as it's also to declare a winner at the end of the fight, his job is to keep those fighters safe. And so, he, of course, he's taking a second. When you see Klitschko go down that 11th round for the first time, he gives him the count, lets him get up, looks at him from toe to head, and, like, takes a, a holistic view of how, you know, Compass as Klitschko is, takes his hand, makes sure there's resistance in there, can get him up, and then lets him fight on. He did brilliantly, I thought, that referee. But there also, was,
1: didn't he? What what I like as well, you complained that it was long, but AJ came too soon, didn't that's he? he and him back. Yeah,
2: the ref was like, no, 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 stop. And that's yeah, another it, three it, seconds. And did it happen twice? I mean, uh, to be fair, what I haven't done is looked back and seen how long the ref gave Joshua when he went that down. That's true, I haven't listened to that. Or his first knockdown in the fifth for, for Glitchcover. So I don't know if it was like repeat behavior and he didn't give it to AJ. So, but so if, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't All know. he was doing was keeping Klitschko
0: safe. And so, like, that stoppage, you could argue, and rightly so, that there weren't any clean punches going in. And there weren't really, but Klitschko was not defending himself. Yeah, enough. I thought his arms were flailing yeah. about. And this is what we are saying earlier he was an amateur.
1: He didn't know what to do at that point.
0: Yeah. And, like, as much as no clean punches were landing in that flurry, there's an argument perhaps Joshua might have shot his load again and, like, been troubled 30 seconds on. But what? you couldn't take that chance because Klitschko's gone down twice at that point in the same round. And probably lost the fight at that point. Yeah, he's a hurt man right there. Um, and so like, I thought the refereeing was superb. The, the breaks of the clinches when required, I thought it was just very, very good.
2: Unlike the judging that had AJ up by two rounds, was it? On it was one embarrassing. Of them? Question, on, question on judging. Right, here's a few questions I have. One, when AJ knocked Klitschko down... AJ was then all over the shop for the rest of the round. Could you, as a judge, give that to Klitschko? That no, round? no, you
0: could give it as a 10-9, so not a 10-8. If you feel like Klitschko's done enough in the attacking sense to build back one of those two points that he's lost from the knockdown, you couldn't... No, no, you're not giving that to Klitschko. No.
2: Right. Uh, and also, if, you, if uh, Klitschko would have survived that 11th round, even the two knockdowns, what would you have scored it then? Is 10-7. It just... 10, just as easy as yeah, a 10, 10 7. 7. Right, okay. And in what scenario would you ever give a 10 6, or can you not?
0: Three knockdowns,
1: but by then I'm, I assume the fight would probably have been stopped.
0: I can't ever remember seeing a 10 6. Someone tell us if they've seen one.
1: Okay. There, there must have been. How many times did Martinez go down in, the, in that Cotto fight? In that first round?
0: As many as that Tinder date for Daniel Saint on. <laughs> and we're back ladies and gentlemen (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ah, sorry just take a moment out just you know let's shout out sam smith our favorite female boxer out there right now you know the other women in that lightweight division who are fucking around you know i mean gallagher fighters typical troublemakers (laughs) sort your fucking selves out man loyalty is important you know who you are you listen
2: we know you hit me up so, we've got a few more questions on AJ. Uh, Senor Tasty asks, Nick! When you take in mind AJ's ambition, can you see and him... for tax le- reasons. <laughs> yeah. Can you see him leaving for America soon?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can. Um, I read somewhere that there's no state taxes in Nevada. I think it was Andy Lee who was saying this. So, there are no state taxes in there's Nevada. no state
2: taxes in Texas either.
1: Yeah, which is why you see Bob Arum has his shows in Nevada and in Dallas. So, so for AJ that would be fantastic. Um, has he crossed over enough in America? This fight might have done it. Well, we
0: had an interesting voice yeah, message of a like mate of ours.
2: Yeah, we've got a mate that lives in Detroit, and he li- he was oh, he. Oh, was, you ever been out there? Yeah. How did you find it? Uh, How, w- sexy. What's the lady?
0: What's the
1: lady? <laughs> <was that? laughs> What's the Tinder scene like out there? Andy filled his
2: fucking
0: boots (laughs) to say (laughs) his ski boots. Yeah, took extra large ones to
2: fill. Um, but yeah, basically he was going into places and saying, "Are you showing the fight?" And their response was, "Even in sports bars, what fight?" That was what it boiled down to. So yeah, AJ's not there yet.
1: And the problem we have in British boxing is we assume that these Wembley fights are a sign that. Boxing is booming with the dominant power. But the total take at the gate on Saturday night would not have gone past what, 18, 19 million quid? In terms of Vegas, that's a third of what Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather did. For
0: 15,000
1: people. <laughs> yeah. And and if Canelo fights in that stadium in Dallas, geez, you know I mean, we don't make the money the Americans do. And if you really want a reality check, you notice how no one said a peep about Brook and Errol Spence. You you got three weeks to build that fight.
0: I think, um I'll throw in one as a a family person here, which I appreciate both of you aren't married <laughs> with kids, etc. like myself. He's got a young boy and he's not with the mum. So like it depends what his his family loyalty is. like that. Like, it's easy to say, shall I up sticks and go to America? But you've got to accept at that point, you're not going to see your child that often, assuming that he doesn't have the parental rights over him, which I don't believe he does. Like At that point, you've got to accept, because apparently he lives with his mum in uh, a house in Watford, which I think is bullshit, but whatever. Like, that's fine, build the narrative. But if he's that close to his family, his mum, he's got his child, which he spoke about before and after. Like You've got to also consider there are those personal aspects and not just the financial I know this right. is going to
1: sound stupid, but when you're a millionaire boxer, And you're saying, I live in a council flat with my mum. Isn't the council supposed to go, do you still need this property? (laughs) Like, like, come on, guys. Come in for a meeting. Bring AJ. Can you bring the belts as well, please?
2: (laughs) Yeah, and we're sharing rooms, so we need a bigger house, yeah? Yeah. What's the bedroom tax on that one? (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: a fair point. Such bollocks. I pulled up Ron Lewis at the Times on this on Twitter. He put a picture up of, like, uh, all of the belts that uh, AJ got, and uh, he said, "Oh, this is in the luxury rented flat that AJ's got in London." And I just said something like, "Well, isn't that kind of against the story that he lives with his, uh, his mum in a council flat in Watford?" That could
1: have just been. They could have been Fury. That could
0: have been Fury's picture. They just recycled it. <laughs> he <laughs> like, said, "Oh no, this was just a house he had rented for the week." Like, Get to fuck. Yeah. I'm not having that. Not having a that. house rented for the week
1: unbelievable what the fuck is a stag dude <laughs> <laughs> but here's the reason he probably would struggle to go to america and I've, i alluded to it earlier it's being in sheffield there is something happening in there which i'm not saying is nefarious or illegal or dodgy but there is something no no i know <laughs> but there's something there's something that's happening between english sport and the university of sheffield i don't know if it's about testing new compounds and stuff on the athlete. I don't know. But there's something that I feel if you took AJ out of Sheffield, you get a completely different AJ.
2: Bill at Bill G91 asks who would you make your favorite against Joshua? Fury. Fury. I'll
1: throw Wilder in there. I'm gonna even throw David Hay in there.
2: David Hay against Joshua? Yeah. Right. Uh, why? Um,
1: power. We saw what happened. Like, if if a straight right from David Hay lands on Joshua's chin, which is possible because he's quick and accurate enough, David's not pausing. He's not pausing. And if he if Joshua does that Frank Bruno thing of you know being Marcel Marceau and just like being like a mime in there, he's going to get taken out in <clears throat> about fifteen shots.
0: I think a hey of five years ago I'd be inclined to agree with you. I can only base it on what we've seen of late and I I, I can't go with that. Wilder Wilder be a great fight. Like, come on man, we'd love he to see. He can talk that. though. Jeez, did you see him in Bellew? What the fuck was that? Because he had one leg. He didn't have one leg before the sixth round. Like, but you knew he had his- <laughs> You knew he had one leg. It was his brother piping up as <laughs> yeah. well.
1: We saw the tweets. You had one he had one leg, you knew it.
0: Yeah. That's all well and good. They filmed that for IFL TV at the weigh-in or whatever. And there was a barrier there. You see the barrier. So you've got Wilder and his team. Tony Bellew's doing an IFL interview, like one-to-one with Coogan Cassius. Let's touch on Coogan Cassius later. Forgot about that. Um, He's doing an IFL interview, one-to-one. And out of nowhere at this weigh-in comes Deontay Wilder... BOOM SQUAD! Apologies for breaking your earphones.
1: Uh, I, I do love that, that. If ever a boxer said something which resonates,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> He's brilliant. Like, he is a character. <laughs> so he comes out of nowhere, like, and crashes this interview. And, like, him and Bellew are then chirping off from a little distance away. And Wilder's got his whole entourage with him. Like, a mouthy brother and a group of people who are there and Wilder looks the nuts like that man can dress that overcoat woo was that Burberry <laughs> <laughs> he can dress was I that Burberry or like,
1: Aqua <laughs> yeah, I was looking I was like oh.
0: yeah so anyway he's Melvin off and Bellew then is like yeah, I've beaten a more dangerous man than you. I've got a better CV than you, blah, blah, blah. And security have to separate them and take them their separate ways whilst Wilder's going, I'll My fight God, you. God, sounds
2: pretty dramatic. Yes, yeah, really. It's intense beef, <laughs> Never mind to the IFL. metal barrier. It's yeah. It's intense beef.
0: <laughs> and yeah. that metal barrier between them. Yeah. Ooh. And so security take them off, and Wilder's like, I'll fight you in the car park now. And Bell, you saying, I only fight for money, you know, like, why am I going to do that? Which he didn't say to cleverly, did he?
1: We can do it right now. <laughs> you fucking rat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so anyway like after all this you then get those two after the fight on Saturday night stood doing the sky punditry next to each other <laughs> I'm like oh you're not quite as angry now are you like oh this is calmed down I'll I, I tell uh, you what I did find interesting though
1: Eubank Jr all up in the pictures with the AJ yeah and and I know you know I'm um, being quite conspiratorial. Because
2: you gotta think Eubanks again, that makes a shame. Oh see
1: I told you guys, yeah? We've got militant Andy out here now. <laughs> just 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 chirping away at everything. He gets
0: one prediction right and that's it. Yeah. He's off. <laughs> yeah and, the, the... and I completely made it. The, just, the... Well, I don't <laughs> the... <laughs> remember it. I said I'll do Despite... it for posterity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The white Spencer
1: Fearon. I don't I don't know how Spencer will feel about that though. Um
0: <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say?
1: Oh, yeah, go on, yeah. Eubank. Yeah, I found that really interesting that, you know, that was such a prominent thing. Because if you really look at it, Hearn gives the impression he won't deal with Eubank. So I don't imagine, and Eddie's quite a controlling guy from what I hear. So he could have made sure Eubank didn't make it into that ring. Which tells me that A, AJ's calling the shots, full stop. And B, there might be something in the offing with those guys. I just get that sense of, you know, I'm hearing Eubanks on ITV. Pay per view in like June, but having a <clears throat>
0: laughing. June 30th is what I've heard, and I've heard two names. One was Lucian Butte, which would fit the mould perfectly, like a known name, but is not very good. Um, and the other one, uh, which I heard through word of a friend of a friend. Anyone grassing? <laughs> uh, was that apparently, and I don't believe this personally, but you hear a lot of these stories James DeGale, 99% done. Allegedly. On ITV box office. Allegedly, allegedly.
2: See, I always think that Eubank Jr.'s got a, a pretty easy get-out clause. If anyone wants to get back into the mainstream, just go, just say, like, if he can conduct himself properly, just say, my my dad's, I'm in charge now, my dad's in the background.
1: But he does conduct himself properly. This is the whole paradox no, no. about Eubank.
2: No, no, I don't mean that. What? I mean, like, he can then say to be, like, for example, if Eddie Hearn's got a problem with dealing with the Eubanks Primarily because of Eubank Senior, then all of Eubank Jr.'s got to do is put up a front and say, Look, I'm dealing with my stuff now. My dad is firmly in the background. And he Colonel can
0: deal with him. When the money's there,
1: I, I put my hand on my heart. I, I don't want senior to be in the background ever. He's a, he's an important part of it. Because the <laughs> De Gale fight the the De Gale fight will happen because of that horse comment. And there's nothing funnier than when you ever like
2: like a
0: horse.
2: <laughs> can we, again, can we have context, please?
1: No, no. So, so there was a, there was an IFL interview after the De Gaille fight with Eubank Senior and Junior. And they're talking about De Gail's teeth after, uh, Badu Jack had knocked them out. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a picture of James De Gale And, you know, they lifted his, was it? They lifted his, his top lip up like a horse. And then, and then they started <laughs> talking about it. And they're like, James De Gale? we've been seasoning you. We've been marinating you. And and Junior's got the kitchen. No, no, Junior's got the utensils. <laughs> and he was like, you t- isn't that such a great word? And, uh, you're, and at that point, you're like, I don't care how difficult Eubank Senior is to deal with. He's box office. Always has been, always will be.
0: Are you sure that Eubank Junior wasn't up on the uh, the ring calling out Joshua? Like, Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Because he this... went after Bell, you. No, no, no. But
1: isn't that the stupid shit Fowler was saying? What a Bellend he is.
0: You know, and... I did repeat it something Anthony Fowler said. Yeah. Fuck, shoot me. Sorry. What, what? what once... you know,
1: Nothing annoys me more than. Oh, then. I feel
0: bad. I feel dirty. Can, can anyone. Shower?
1: Look, look. Can anyone send me a link to the fight where Fowler gets put on his ass in the Olympics? Because I think we need to make that go viral and remind him who he really is.
2: <laughs> um. So once. The winner of I've heard the winner of uh, AJ Newbank Jr. catch weight fights Conor Ben. <laughs> uh, a, for, for UK Mega Fight. Where, where, where is Conor ben? ben? I saw a picture of him in the Mustang.
1: And I was like, what's he doing in the Mustang? or oh, why isn't he training? Don't know. No. Eddie was
0: Who Connor Ben, like yeah, what's his dad called? Is it <laughs> Nigel? Or was it I thought Kate and Jerry were his parents, the amount we've seen of him.
2: <laughs> say. <laughs> 10 years yeah <laughs> 10 years oh no
0: <laughs> just when you thought it couldn't get any lower there, there's some places even I won't go to Portugal Portugal <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: no <sighs> okay composure James Sunderland asks uh, does last I uh, to some extent he is Touching on territory we've already been to, so um, shout out to James for obviously getting his thank
0: you very much James. thunder
2: stolen. But uh, sorry, um, does the other night touch on all of the vulnerabilities and expose AJ for some of them, um, or does it prove the doubt was wrong and proves that he is the real deal? I can't my mind up. I honestly feel like if Vlad throws everything in at him in round seven, it's over. <laughs> now we have. Briefly touched on this.
0: I think there's an interesting wording of it, actually. Um, Does last night confirm all of the vulnerabilities of AJ? We don't know. We've still not seen him take a shot to the liver. I know (laughs) body punching isn't necessarily a high priority within the heavyweight division, where they seem to go headhunting quite a lot. But how sturdy is that body of, of Joshua? We don't really know that yet, so there's still the questions to be asked about that. Um... Yeah, so does it uh, confirm all of the vulnerabilities? Yeah, I think the vulnerability isn't necessarily the chin because aside from what we were saying earlier about Fury, but he rolled that punch, any other boxer walking into that punch like Joshua did is going to get flawed. Fury would get flawed if he walked into it like Joshua did. The question mark is around the defence, not necessarily the chin. And I think that's probably where Rob McCracken is going to head back to Sheffield and work a lot, is just tightening that defence not being um, fooled into some of the defensive moves that he makes and I think that's probably the vulnerability that we've learnt out of it it's not the chin because anyone could get knocked down anyone could get knocked out with that level of velocity coming off the right hand, it's how do you stop yourself, how do you do what Tyson Fury did which is to um, become a little bit more fluid around your movement and that's probably where they're going to go back and try and install something else
2: you need to retweet that video. We uh, we have uh, briefly seen it and it is it is brilliant. To watch the comparison between AJ and yes, Fury.
0: box s pose. That's the guy who tweeted that. It's brilliant.
2: Um, I think it's difficult to maintain as a fan to maintain some sort of um, grey area understanding of of someone's like of of a boxer's strengths and weaknesses because. Up to that point, (laughs) up to that point, you've got everyone telling you that Vlads—I don't know—either Vlads passed it or he's too powerful for Joshua. Then, when Joshua does win, it's in my eyes all it's done is. Sorry to go back to the fight night um, analogy again, but if you're taking on, you've taken on a load of bums, and then you've got your first championship fight. And you've got to fill up your credibility bar. It doesn't go all the way up to 100. The first, the first championship bout you have, it gives you, you know, credibility points. Though. Yeah. And I feel like AJ has answered some questions. He's answered, well, can he, I mean, can he do 12 rounds? Well, on, on the assumption that he got to 11 and he's still able to put in that 11th round, you'd assume that he can get to 12. He hasn't proved that he can box for 12 rounds because he got out boxed, if you like. But I feel like. There's like similar to what you've just said there. He has answered some of the questions, but but naturally, then there are more questions to be answered.
0: AJ could. <laughs> I
2: was having this argument with somebody before the fight
0: who was a fucking AJ. He might as well have shoved his penis up AJ before the fight. It was embarrassing. What's well, he set next? Is he set next to you now? <laughs> um. He wouldn't have been able to walk into
2: that ring, I tell you. But
0: I was saying, (laughs) there are question marks about Anthony Joshua. I said, because he was basically like, AJ's brilliant. I said, how can you say that? And he was like, well, he's won the title in his 16th fight, and he's defended it twice, and he's got 18 fights, he's got 18 knockouts. I'm like, that's against shit. He fought
2: Charles Martin, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this is my point. And then he's going, well, how do you know? Then he says, how do you know Charles Martin's shit? I'm like, at this point, you're a knob, and I can't be bothered to deal with you. But what the point i was trying to make to him is look audley harrison went to 19 and 0 and so that's exactly the same stage that andy joshua was at now now up to fucking 18 and 0 you could make the point that audley harrison had fought a comparable level of opposition and could you say that audley harrison in his 16th fight would have beaten charles martin yeah probably like at that point, after
2: sixteen fights, he'd fought a comparable level of I, opposition.
1: I think we'd have all beaten Charles.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like with Audie Harrison, it was like if had just if you'd have just blindfolded him for want of a better sort of like way of putting it, or if you'd have managed to give him some sort of drug to stop him from being a scaredy cat, then he a would've scared. Yeah. It just seemed to freeze <laughs> yeah. in the ring like he, if he, he... could unleash the power he had and didn't just freeze, then he would have been a good fight.
1: He looked the part. That's the weird thing about Audley Harrison, if you've ever seen him in the flesh, he's like a wall, and you look at him and you go, you'd be a heavyweight champion, and he was always in shape, he never came in slop, he didn't cut corners,
0: he just wasn't a killer in the ring. So this is what I'm trying to get over to this lad, that look, after 18 fights, like, well, after 16, could Audley Harrison have beaten Charles Martin and become a world champion? Yes, he could have, because Charles Martin was that bad. Could he have gone on with that confidence and gone on and beaten Briazil and Molina? He probably could have. Would he have beaten Klitschko on Saturday night? Absolutely fucking not. But we didn't know that about Joshua before Saturday night. So Joshua could have gone down that same route. And he almost may have done. You know, if he didn't get back up, he may have gone down that Audley-Harrison route. We didn't know that. We know that about Joshua right now. It was do or die. Yeah, and he fucking did where Harrison would have died. And that's the difference. And so we know that now about him. So full respect to him. Yeah, but here's the thing that annoyed me. There's, there's, there's an
1: absolute bellend of a page called Only Full, full Fights. Go and find these idiots, right? And, and they thought they were being really clever. So they did a comparison of AJ and Tyson over 18 fights. Oh. And they were trying to show that, ah, oh, if you look, AJ fought people with a winning record, Tyson fought people with a losing record. Without realizing, Tyson fought 18 times in a year. And, you know, AJ has been stretched out over three years. And then you go, well, actually, okay, fine. So let's stretch Tyson's career out into the three-year window AJ had. Oh, unified world champion, had all the belts. Ain't that something? So you can't compare careers. We're in a different era now. Like in those days, look, go and look at Ali's career and look how much trash is in his record. Look how much trash is in most old school fighters' records. There's a lot of rubbish in there. There's some great fights, but there's a lot of rubbish in there because they didn't have a pay-per-view model. So you could put any old dross on TV and people would watch it. Now that we're paying to watch, you can't have those fights anymore. Because ideally, Joshua would have five or six fights now against nobody. And then he would would build into a big fight because you need time to build the next villain for him to take down.
0: The narrative. But, oh, can I ask a question? Like, off piece entirely. I'd put your hand up, like, if you've seen the answer to this already. Do you know how many more punches Klitsch go through against Anthony Joshua than against Tyson Fury? Mm. 182, at a guess. What, more? How many, more? How many more did he throw against Joshua than yeah. he did against Fury? I have no idea. And I know we always like besmirch, punch stats, and all that, but this was where it was. You know, I thought the only comparison you can make because you know people are saying that it was a different Klitschko turns up, etc. Give me a number. I I'm, I'm
2: I don't know 150. I I've, I've no idea. I literally I've, I don't even have a context for it. Like this is well out of my side of uh, my remit. So Terry, much, much more just wildly.
1: I'm wildly guessing. So <laughs> 25.
2: Not- Oh,
0: really? Twenty-five more punches than he <laughs> threw against Fury. So when people are saying, you know, he just he didn't throw against Fury, he held his hands back, and he was different against Joshua. Twenty-five more punches. Interesting stat. And okay. I say I know punch stats are flawed to an extent, anyway. But
1: but but if you're comparing one flawed stat with another flawed stat, you can <laughs> kind of compare them. Yeah, it almost validates both.
2: Okay. um Dave McGinley asks. Did Vlad come in too light? I just thought he looked great at the weigh-in, but actually on fight night, I thought he looked like he could have done with a little extra as AJ looked like a bear in there. Uh, He probably could have done with a bit more weight on him, but
0: he was athletic. He was athletic through to the 11th round. I I don't necessarily think any more weight would have helped him because those clinches were broken. He didn't really get the opportunity to clinch or lean in the way that we've seen before. Um, So I don't think more weight would have necessarily helped him other than to put a little bit more power behind that right hand, perhaps.
2: Okay, just on that, Terry, feel free to answer that as well. But he also asks, he says he's a massive fan of the K brothers. Um, and looking at Vlad last night, 41, at the ring for 18 months, coming off a damaging mental loss. Surely he cemented his greatness. How does he go down in the history books?
1: Um. So, trumpet blown time. I I was able to spend time with with Lennox on Thursday, and Lennox asked me who my top five heavyweights of all time were.
2: And that that must have felt great to be asked that by Lennox. Listen, Lewis. listen, yeah, I, Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis, Lennox
0: Lewis. My Lennox Lewis number
2: five too.
1: I tell you this now, like that's when you realize heavyweights are a different breed because. Not only is he huge, like everything about Lennox, it's just they're like, look at it, like you're about twenty stone and you don't even look it, and you kept playing around and throwing jabs at me and they fucking hurt, <laughs> right? They, like? they fucking you knocked hurt. him out, mate.
2: You know, <laughs> don't take those.
1: No, 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 but it's like that. You're like, normally I'd hit someone back. What's the fucking point?
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's But 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 but, but I, this is the list I gave Lennox, and it was it was Ali. Then it was Foreman. Everyone knows what this list is. Then it was Frazier. And then I was honest with him and I said, I'm torn. Based on me growing up, it's Lennox Lewis fourth, Joe Lewis V. Based on what, you know, what history has schooled me to say, I meant to say Lewis, uh, Joe Lewis fourth, Lennox Lewis V. And I said, well, actually, my instincts tell me you did
0: more because you just punched me in it, pretty much.
1: <laughs> but but but
0: he was. Ha- I'm not bored
2: then, about fourth and fifth one and
1: number nah. one. So so he was happy with that. And then he goes, "Who's after that?" And I said, "Then you got Larry Holmes at six. Um, and then you go to seventh, and I'm going to put Tyson in there or Holyfield. I'm torn. So those two spots go to Tyson and Holyfield, depending on whether you want Tyson's overall impact on the sport or Holyfield's basically just giant killing career, which is what his heavyweight career was. But Vlad doesn't come into this. Like, Vlad might skirt into the top ten on the fringes of... Can I
2: ask why?
1: He's not even better than his brother. He's
2: not even the best boxer in his own family. No! The old
0: Steve War thing. The the Phil Neville comment.
1: (laughs) Because because that that right hand you saw him land on Joshua, he learnt that from Vitaly. If you ever watch Vitaly, Vitaly has the best one-two I've seen in heavyweight boxing, probably since Lennox. Because... It was so quick for a six foot eight man, just bam, and his hands were so big he just punched through your guard. I mean, so you ended up sometimes just hurting yourself.
2: Could Vitaly have beaten AJ? Smashed AJ to pieces, ripped him
1: apart, probably thrown him over the top rope. <laughs> Vitaly was just a different animal he left to his him brother on the arch. because Vitaly was bigger, better reach, but Vitaly wasn't a defensive fighter. He was all out attack, so he would have just gone after Joshua. And Vitali had a
2: decent enough chin. Um, did Lennox Lewis tell you his top five? No, he didn't. Ah. But but credit where
1: credit's due, he he did rate Frank Bruno a lot higher than we do. Like he said, actually, Bruno was a pretty tough fight. I suppose
0: when you've been punched by the man, it gives you that additional respect. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, no, no. So yeah, that, that was interesting. He said some interesting things about the Joshua fight, a lot of which actually came true. Because he said, look, Vladimir will put him down. He goes, if Vladimir is anything like his brother, he will put him down. Because he, he, he feels the same way we did. He goes, look, I like Anthony Joshua. I like how he's what he's doing for heavyweight boxing. It's putting money in the sport, number one. But he said, look, we want to see him come off the canvas and win. We want to see him scared. We want to see him nervous. And we got to see all of that. So I think everyone's happy.
2: Okay, David McGinley also asks, Fury is, in his opinion, a much more skilled boxer, etc. Based on how much weight he has to lose and the way he's lived in the last two years, can he ever be the same?
0: The weight's coming off. Look at the videos he's putting up, the pictures he's putting up from Marbella. He's out training with Billy Joe Saunders think at the MTK gym I would suspect um, yeah. that weight's coming down straight away I don't know what he's weighing in at now but he's certainly not the 26 well, 27 reckon
2: he's already lost two stone right? you know, in a week in
0: the face um, that's what he said you know if he had a shave he loses another stone <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, if, if he had a full body he works he'd be back to fighting weight <laughs> <laughs>
2: With um, so, like the mixture between Fat Albert and Cousin It <laughs> I
0: mean they're out there doing the conditioning and the you know it's not Peter Fury out there with them it's not Adam Booth out there with Saunders they're out there getting fit both of them need it hopefully they can spur each other on um, and and hopefully
2: for- two of them can fight at last yeah That's absolutely so frustrating. Um,
0: and I've forgotten what the question was what was it?
2: Um, well, he actually then goes on. It was about whether he can be the same. Getting that big surely will mean he's lost some of the spark that he had once. No, well, no, no. What did you
1: lose? He's, he's not he's not an athletic heavyweight. And, and I know what he's trying to... He's trying to move it to... Oh, look at Ricky Hatton. Yep. <laughs> but Ricky Hatton was a work-rate intensity fighter. He had to be at a certain but level.
0: But also, Ricky Hatton had to get down to 140 pounds after he's been out on the piss over long. Tyson Fury doesn't have to boil himself. Doesn't have to, you know, really hit those scales. Yeah. He he never came in in great shape anyway. He's not, you know, the physical Adonis that we've seen of the others. All he's got to do is eat some contaminated boar and uh, get on the scales. Poor <laughs> <The boar> guy. <laughs>
2: poor 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 guy. Yeah
0: yeah. Of all the boars you could eat. Eh? Of all the boars you could eat. Yeah, but look, that That farmer's coming out going, oh, yeah, no, I
2: sold them contaminated (laughs) boars. What? You don't say that to people like the Furies. Yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if we take the story to be legit. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I suppose they went, your boars are very contaminated. And he went, yeah, you're
1: right, actually. (laughs) Yeah, uh, let let uh, me have (laughs) it. I don't want the nice ones. I want the contaminated (laughs) boars.
2: And he was like, I want that
0: one with three legs. (laughs) Oh, I want wow. with five legs. That's a special one.
2: <laughs> I want that boy with shoulders. <laughs>
0: no, but look.
1: <laughs> look, the thing—the thing about Fury is Fury's about skill, tactics, reactions, and nous. He won't lose any of those. You know, he won't like Fury. if He fights at a pace where he could do that at seventeen stone. He can do it at twenty-one stone. It, it doesn't bother him. It's just about for him. It's about mobility, not speed. Just mobility. As long as he can step back, step to the side, and work his jab, he's fine. But he's also a guy who will stand in the trenches and swing with you, so he's not that bothered.
0: I agree with what you said. I think he'd come back and be a top five, top six heavyweight tomorrow. Like he doesn't need to get down to be that good. I think he's that good already.
2: Yeah, I, but I struggle to see sure. Surely the most most important thing would be health and age if it was really going to struggle if it was, anything was going to weigh him down it yeah. would be yeah. severe degradation in one of those areas but
0: he hasn't had any what hard fights has fury really had no mm-hmm. sat on his ass by steve cunningham but other than that it wasn't yeah. a
2: hard fight it wasn't
1: a hard fight he yeah. hasn't had he hasn't been in any wars where you're like that's
2: taking years off your career yeah, it's one thing but age you has. said that yeah you yeah, I was wanting to pick up on that you said that that fight took 8 years off of vlad and aj didn't you yeah
1: it took, it took years of Vlad and AJ because I, I, think, I think this is about boxers and I've learned this just from the boxers I've been around. You have a certain amount in that reservoir and it's like that emergency reservoir you can call upon and you want to delay having to call upon it for as long as possible. That's why boxers have careers of really easy fights before they get into the wars. So they'll have challenging fights against good boxers who are light-fisted but those guys, those Maidana fights, those, um, who else is horrible? Like a Pacquiao fight or Kotto fight. You don't want to have those too often because you, you deplete those reserves of willpower and character. Because your body's like, we've been there once before. Don't really want to do it again. You do that five times, your body will just give up on you and go, fuck this. We need to live another 20 years. So AJ's definitely lost something in that ring. I don't think he wants to go to that dark place anytime soon and I think that'll be reflected in the matchmaking. But, you know, in the wider sense it'll be interesting to see how his body holds up to those sorts of intense encounters.
2: Brian Kentman asks how many, how many how PP vote sorry, pay-per-view shows do you think that people tolerate? With Matt Truman and Nation shows coming thick and fast will we ever <clears throat> see over, overexposure? Something I think definitely a running theme throughout our podcasts, but uh, what do you think let's
0: also not ignore the fact that the the price point for this one went up to 20 pounds we used to 15 pounds for it or 16.95 was it at one point 15.95 they've hiked it up now to 20 pounds for it like so not only are we going to get more and more pay-per-views they're going to start costing more so it won't be that long until 20 pounds is a thing of the past and it'll be 25 pounds America pay what 50 quid equivalent, some of them. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't pay that much attention to the American market, but I know that they're significantly more than ours. Hearn would love to be mm. starting getting up towards that 40 pound mark. Like, that would, you know, make his day if he could do that. Are we getting overexposed to them? Um, yes yeah, so and no. I think, uh, from what I understand, Sky have a limit to what they will allow to be put on. But that said, I'm sure they will change that limit should um you know they start making more and more money out of it so box nation have yet to do one so we can't really comment on it it's uh, will they ever do one and then you got itv <sighs> again they've done one june 30th i'd expect to be another one we'll see but
1: so here's here's the thing we've discussed pay-per-views many times no fan will complain when you get an event like we did with Joshua Klitschko uh the story made sense the build up was enough to keep people interested. The production was off the charts, yep. and the fight was off the charts. No one's going to complain about paying 20 quid for that. Brook Spence, in a lesser way, happy to pay for that because it resolves a question in a division. So I'm okay and with that. And also
0: you've put Groves Tudonov on yeah. there, which is a wise move. So so I'm, I'm okay with the
1: Bramwell Lane card. There isn't anyone Eddie Hearn can dig up in his stable who I'd want to pay to watch headline and pay-per-view main event after that. Nobody. And I think he's acutely aware of that. And I expect him to start looking outside of his current stable for guys to helm his whole operation. I've never ruled out Hearn and George Groves working together. Like, I, I... for the right money, <clears throat> I think those two guys would work together. And Groves is a guy you can build pay-per-views around, as is James De But I don't think De Gale really wants
0: to work with Hearn. Well, they're working together for this Bramwell Lane card. You know, yeah. it's, it's a Sauerland fighter that they're fighting in Tudenov. There's no <clears throat> particular reason for Groves to be on there, other than it fills the card and it gets people money. Yeah, but, so, you know, why is that not on a McGuigan show or whatever? It's... Yeah, so
1: so I think the whole the whole interesting thing about this is. The fans will determine what's pay-per-view worthy because this is—it's like Frotch Grove. Froch Grove set a standard, and we allowed it to fall. This fight's another one that said, "Well, actually, this is what a pay-per-view event should be," and instead of being the default pay-per-view events should be the exception. I think America's realizing this now because you look at the PBC shows. Unless it's unless it's a game-changing fight, it's happening on terrestrial TV. I don't know if they're making any money off of it, but that's the reality of boxing because you shaft the fans often enough we'll all just start streaming and then that's the end
0: of it
2: Um, I want to give a shout out to Pete Fenimore actually you know what I'm going to ask the question anyway Um, Pete Fenimore my Mm -hmm. boy I love Pete Um, how has AJ's performance changed your views on him as a fighter we've already covered that but would a younger fighter have had him out in the sixth? so would a younger let's say a, a younger Vlad possibly more than likely yeah, I think right, well, Pete. You've got a shout out and your question answered. So, <laughs> get into that hour a and a half stage. That, yeah, I'm sorry, mate. Um, sorry, Pete. <laughs> the British boxing blog asked. He was there as well, Pete. By the way. Does the main event of this magnitude excuse an undercard with only two, at most, competitive bouts? Yes.
1: You didn't pay for that crap, so you paid for the main yeah. event. I think, Don't complain. That's 20 quid well spent. I think spent. we've
2: spoken about this before. A, a, a massive, exaggerated undercard is, is, is pointless. I'm
0: okay with it. The only thing I'm going to say is Lawrence Coley just being treated like an absolute mug out of that. He was due to fight on the undercard. Didn't get the opportunity because the Scott Quigg fight went longer than expected. I'd imagine the Katie Taylor fight was longer than they expected. Um, and because Wembley Council had a strict regime whereby they had to have people out of Wembley by 11 o'clock, uh, Acoli never got the opportunity to get out there and fight. So this is after he was meant to be fighting on the undercard for his debut of Anthony Crolla, Jorge Linares, and he didn't get time, so they put him on after when he fought in front of the cleaner and um, the woman packing up the catering. And then he had his second fight. I can't remember what show it was on. And then this was meant to be his third. And it got, you know, panned at the last second. So as far as I know, Lawrence got paid for it anyway. So fair play. Um, But I just think it's, you know, we spoke about it the other week. About who would you put your young aspiring fighter with. And you talk about where the the roster slots are. And where the priorities would be if you signed with that fighter. I think Lawrence Ciccoli is suddenly realising that perhaps this isn't a great place to be at Matchroom. Because two out of three fights he's had thus far... Haven't been great for him. Um, so, you know, hopefully it picks up for Lawrence because he is a talent. But just an interesting one I say is that he just didn't get his opportunity. I feel for him out of that.
1: It was a tough one. Um, I felt for Lawrence. Um, you know, I, I got the news by text message as I was traveling at the time. And I had a sense that, because essentially I think him and Cordina were swing bouts and it's always, it's horrible, is not it? When you're a swing bout, it's horrible. But
0: I'd, I've seen swing bouts go on at half one in the morning before, do you know what I mean? Was uh, it? It's like 20 grand an hour
1: fine by Brent Council, if you're late out of Wembley. It's, you know, like, like they've pulled the plug on bands before, and just said, stop right now. So, I'd like, look, Lawrence is fine where he is, I think just for a number of reasons. Um, his profile's sky high at the moment, and I don't think, Other networks who shall forever remain nameless would have done that as quickly. You know, he's got the whole thing with JD, which is good. And he's around a lot of the guys he came up with in the amateurs. So I think in terms of Bonds, it's good.
0: But is is his profile Skyhawk? I'm not convinced it is because they're missing these opportunities to put him on in front of a a live audience.
1: They're just going to stick him on next gen. We, incidentally, when is the next one? You know, we're not hearing much about that either. That's true,
0: but they ought to be getting him on that. I completely agree, and actually starting to not build shows around people like that, but giving them proper opportunities. Not putting on floating bouts are what you put on for lads that have sold fifty tickets at small hall shows. You know what I mean? It's it's not where you put Olympians who are meant to be your next big thing. Um,
1: it's it's sad, and I'm sure Josh Boatsy is watching this now, going,
0: uh, hmm. Well. From what I heard there's uh, been a pivot on where Josh Boatzi's going. Not surprised. I think he No, ha- not in the, not in the way you're thinking. Anyway.
2: <laughs> Mind reader. Um ah. Mark Evans asks she says, question for you wise men, obviously talking about you two, is it possible to understand P D violations or is it pointless to even try and research it? Um Um look. It's about- a very fast-moving landscape. Oh, well, you've
1: heard me allude to this earlier, right? I know because I was in halls with a lady, and she's she's an she's an expert in biochemistry. So she she like stuff like stuff around hormones. She's an expert
0: in. Most women are.
2: <laughs> you know we're recording,
0: right? Claire <laughs> <There laughs> listens to this as well. Just
2: just to inform you, apart from Claire.
1: Though. Apart from yeah, no. So, so she's still at the University of Sheffield where we all were, and I asked her the question: around, what do you think is happening?" Because you know, some of these things are kept secret because everyone keeps their research secret. She just said, "Maybe these guys aren't doping." That was her theory. Maybe all of these guys are just using experimental compounds. Seeing bores Well, no, 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 no. Because I think there are boxers who are doping, right? I think there are three classes. I think there are boxers who are doping. Then I think there are boxers who, are, who just have access to the best stuff. There's no coincidence that the England Institute of Sport is so tightly tied with the Sheffield University research areas. It, there's no surprise you,
2: you, here. There's, like, you go into bodybuilding. I worked in the industry for a little while. In what industry? Bodybuilding industry. Did you? Did you and, ever go around going, yeah, buddy? <laughs> um, and That won't be a bodybuilder. You've got the but Andy White, no one lifts no heavy-ass weight i do it, though. I wasn't a bodybuilder. <laughs> no I, shit. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what you get is you've it got the... Me and a, a obvi- saying. <laughs> <laughs> me and Daniel, Hi, saying, Hi, me and Daniel <laughs> saying like... <laughs> Hi, sir. Before Tinder?
1: Yeah. Can I How top up prodigy? your tan? Can I top up your tan, sir? Um, you want to get those glutes
2: shiny now, don't you? Get, you get... Ooh, um, striations mr universe you get mr olympia and you get those sort of very well-renowned sort of like famous but you've also got those um natural shows where people just don't want to use and the blokes still look they've got fantastic women fantastic bodies that are not using so it is so you possible. know no no so you know They're what, not, no, no, no 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 they don't no, like no. shaved gorillas you know what
1: natural means don't you
2: we aren't taking pd no
1: they just inject tests if you if you ever meet a natural bodybuilder, so what do you take?
2: Yeah, you know, three
1: hundred milligrams a week a test.
2: Another <laughs> one they talk like Kel Brook immediately. You know? <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs>
1: no, but for, in terms of PEDs, align yourself with a university that's doing research into that area. Because if nothing else, you will get compounds that and Vada haven't seen yet, so you're not yeah. breaking any rules or any laws,
2: and 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 you'll also get uh, masking compounds they don't know about. Exactly, you, the- you have access to stuff that if if WADA and Vada knew,
1: they'd be laughing right now. I'm surprised they don't fund research into stuff and like
2: I, this. Just, for those who don't, a masking compound or something so if when they test you for your um for any pds you may have taken they can't test you for those compounds what they can test you is the byproducts or residual amounts of that product that you've taken in your like excretions like, normally urine or it could be a blood test or something like that uh, a masking agent would be something like if you're excreting x amount of this particular compound with be something else you take that then overshadows that so yeah. like well you've got this in your system oh yeah but that's because i take benlin um, whatever it is, whatever this, oh, well, benal is not illegal, and that also produces this compound, so that must be what you're taking. And so, and, and the, the the landscape again is always moving ahead, and there's always they're always one step ahead, like like the criminal and the cop, basically. Can I just say,
1: I just want people just a thought experiment. When AJ was coming up, the biggest threat to him was a heavyweight from London. Roughly the same age, the same size. That already had a victory over him, and mysteriously he got done. The only <laughs> one who got a two-year ban for Jack Three D. For as far as I'm, for as far as I know, no boxer before since from Miguel's has been tested. So number one, find that interesting. You move it along. Let's let's look at pre.
0: That
1: was Dillian White, by the way. if
2: anyone didn't realise. So let's so let's so he fell <laughs> apart after <off> the PEDs.
1: <laughs> so then let's let, let's look pre-Molina. The next biggest threat was a young, skillful heavyweight out of the north, from a traveller background, quite young, 21, 22, but could box and was definitely destined for the top. Somehow, mysteriously, someone who has never popped for anything before is tested and is found to have ingested something that gave them Nandrolone. Something which, knowing the Furies like you do, they've never felt they needed, started to feel like a sabotage attempt by someone somewhere. The problem with this one was, whatever they gave to Huey to try and get him to pop for it, ended up with Tyson too. And this is where you have a problem, because if you you do Huey and Tyson for Nandrolone, you lose out on the money-making fight with Fury because the band will kind of take Joshua beyond his contract, you lose that. But you can't separate them, because if they both pop for it, you've either got to let them both off, or you've got to punish both of them. If you let them both off, that keeps Huey in relative shape and fighting sharp, so he's still a life threat. And so is Tyson. So, I just want to know, do people think that there's some kind of sabotage at play here, because... Is looking fishy because if you look at UK anti-doping, their testing profile has no logic to it other than if you're a threat to the heavyweight division, (laughs) you are getting tested and seemingly you're failing. You know, and I'm finding that incredibly strange seeing as other people are big as fucking getting away with it.
0: It's like a snowplow clearing the way for a car.
1: (laughs) But it's just a thought experiment. No, I put no names to that. Just, you know, let's just think about it and
2: reflect. (laughs) Burnt Bonty,
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: Burnt. <bad. laughs> the, the silver-haired jumped-up midget has barred me from going tomorrow night to the Joshua Klitschko fight. <laughs> Fourteen months ago, Bonty banned me from interviewing Klitschko because he says I'm in Team Fury. We had an argument. I've stayed away since from the whole Klitschko camp to avoid problems. Still, he wants them to bar me. Well, Burnt Bonty can you can suck my cock, you dwarf. <laughs> Coogan Cassius, 2017. William Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to talk about Coogan Cassius. Look, I... I'm
0: no IFL apologiser, because I think a lot of what they do just scratches the surface when they could... And I appreciate they're not journalists, it's just a guy with a YouTube channel and a camera. He's not a trained journalist, whatever. He makes his money out of it. So why would you go in deep on some of the questions? But, you know, ultimately it's boxing, you're kind of there on behalf of boxing fans, you could go deeper... You could quiz her and a little bit more on some of the StubHub relationships, etc. But, okay, all that aside, what IFL do for British boxing, IFL TV provides some brilliant content, stuff that you'd never have got 10 years ago. And sure, there are others out there that do the same kind of thing. The lads at Fight Talk do some really good stuff with people at different levels. Shout
1: out, Sam. Shout out, Craig. Yeah, they,
0: they do brilliant stuff for lads at different levels. But the ones that are at the forefront of it all are IFL TV. Coogan Cassius sends out this message on Friday night saying that Bern Bonte, who's the manager of Klitschko, has basically told Hearn Coogan is not allowed into this place, like Coogan is too close to Team Fury, don't want him here. And Coogan goes off and does a um, an Instagram live where he explains everything that's going on and that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I feel for Coogan, I feel for James Helder, the other guy at IFL TV, because this is the biggest boxing event of our generation. And, you know, they've put in a lot of time and effort, and yes, they make the money back, I appreciate that. But they've been putting their arse in to help him promote this on Hearn's behalf. What I find fascinating about it all is that Burnt Bonte has banned Coogan, Cassius and James Helder from Wembley. Like, Eddie Hearn bangs on about how they're the biggest promoters. Matchroom are the biggest promoters in the UK. They're the biggest promoters in Europe. They're possibly the biggest promoters in the world. And yet, you've let Bernd Bonte come up and bully you into not letting your number one PR guy attend the, attend the fight as a press member. Like, you've let that happen. You Whether or not he's gone into bat for him or not in those talks, whether he's tried to convince Burnt I don't know. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. But the fact is, if he has, he's failed. And that shows who's the proper daddy out of that relationship. (laughs) It does. Because it shows a matchroom as much as... You know, this was a co-promotion. This wasn't a matchroom promotion. It was K2 and matchroom. Yes, it was in the UK. But look, it shows where matchroom ultimately don't pull all the strings. They're not the powerhouse that they say they are. And it has to leave some questions... It has to leave some, fucking. old Terry Show me something on his phone. Uh, it has to leave some questions about do Matchroom are they as powerful as what they have said they are for the last however many years? Because their number one PR guy, make no mistake about it, Coogan Cassius doesn't work for Matchroom, but he is their number one PR guy, and he wasn't allowed in the building. that's embarrassing for Matchroom. So,
1: but but I tell you what I would like to know: what was the conversation between Eddie and Coogan? Because if I'm Coogan, I'm like, Eddie, this is your show. You, what do you mean you can't get you, What you can't even just get me a ticket so I can walk in?
0: No, he did say that he could get a ticket to walk in, but he said I don't want to. If I can't be there as press, and I don't want to go, and
1: Eddie still couldn't do that.
0: No, you know, he, he said he had a ticket himself. He already had one. He could go, but he ended up watching it at Adam Booth's house instead of having That's that. From,
1: there's there's something there where maybe, you know, he had to get slapped down. I don't know. Because you imagine you're, if if I'm Eddie Hearn and Burt is like, look, this guy was Team Fury. They'd be like, yeah, he was. All right, no, 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 yeah. he can chill for a while, man. We, this, this will teach him. You know what I mean, we'll make him more loyal next
2: time. It will be know.
0: interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, like, cause, as cause, a sub narrative to everything else. It's not yeah.
2: exactly a massive uh, sort of thing that that Eddie Hearn's got to give up, is it? It's no, not. look, mm-hmm. at the end
0: of the day, Coogan needs Hearn more than Hearn needs Coogan yeah. because. Eddie Hearn could go and groom one of the other video platforms and give them that access to all the fighters that he allows. He doesn't allow other video platforms to do that. He could allow other video platforms and build them in a space of six months to the same level that Mm. IFL are at. IFL, if they get banned by Hearn and Bonte, etc., they've got Frank Warren fighters, which, with no disrespect whatsoever, they're not going to do the number of views that an Eddie Hearn fighter, an Anthony Joshua, is going to do. And so, yeah, like... Coogan and Co need the backing of
2: Hearn more than Hearn needs it and as concessions go like I said it's not, it's not a massive problem for Hearn to be in no um, right we have actually come to the end of our uh, AJ F- um, Klitschko questions let's
0: keep this quick now then we're nearly hitting two hours wow
2: Shamir asks I'd like to know if Bellew is well regarded after Hay no <laughs> not by this table.
0: Um, that his he's probably gone up a notch, but
2: he isn't. He isn't. Is it, well, he, then he, go, he goes on to ask: Is he even top ten? Um, just the size of the guys would be far too much for him, surely. And he doesn't have the skill as a boxer to compensate.
0: I think his skills are underrated. I think he proved that against Bill uh, against Hay. I think he's improved vastly over the last five years. Um, I don't think he's got the size, but then Joseph Parker's not a huge man. Tony Bellew weighed two hundred and fifteen pounds, I think, against Hay. He's not going to get overshadowed. He might be twenty pounds. He might be ten percent smaller. You know, maybe fifteen percent smaller than some of these guys. But some of these guys aren't that good in the heavyweight division. I think he might scrape the top ten, uh, but he's certainly not getting anywhere near the top five.
2: If you had to make a top ten fit boxers, would you would you still even given the result? Would you put Hay above Bellew?
0: Sorry, top ten fit boxers. As in, if <laughs> isn't oh, fit. Oh, well, I'm a big Jorge Leonardo fan. I knew you'd pick up on that.
2: But, oh. <laughs> um, <but laughs> Frank Booglione. If, if Hay he Hay go- is fit, is he, is, does he get in above value? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, easily. You know, if we're talking peak for peak. Yeah. And just, just two legs and two legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, of all my boxing hipster questions, this may be the worst. Who... Do you guys in the world think is the best current switch-hitting boxer outside of Crawford? Fury for me. It doesn't actually make a great deal of... uh, I don't understand this question. Switch here. So
0: you can go Southpaw, you can go
2: Orthodox, you can go in
0: and out of one or the other. So Prince Nassim was a great exponent of it. Uh, Ingle, for a period of time, built a gym around switch-hitting fighters. Uh, Fury, like, is the best one out there. Better than Crawford, in my opinion. Fury, to me, is similar to Ronnie O'Sullivan when he's like in his flow at snooker. That, <laughs> you know how he's like, he's number one in the world when he plays in his orthodox. But if he switches to playing left-handed, he's probably still number three, number four in the world. Like to me, that's what Fury is. Like, he's the number one heavyweight in the world. He's probably the number three, number four heavyweight if he just boxed out of Southport. We pick you up or not?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Chopsy today. <laughs> we've got 10 minutes left and I know what your questions, your answers are like. This could uh, take no, us no, no, beyond no. when I'm supposed uh, to start work.
1: Work is overrated. Um <laughs> I, I say Kel Brook and I know people go, Oh, we've never seen it. I, I have seen it. So I've seen Kel Brook in the ring Orthodox and Ooh. Southpaw. And, he's just as good Southpaw as he is Orthodox. I think he's, if he's, if he's top two as a Southpaw, uh, as an Orthodox fighter in the welterweight division, he's top two as a Southpaw. Oh, look, so i start again. Top two is Orthodox, top two is Southpaw. I think Kell Brook's sheer class in that sense. James DeGale's another one I put in that bracket who can box both ways equally well. Let's not forget Andre Durrell, if he ever gets his act together. He... <laughs> He, strangely enough, boxed the gale as a southpaw, which I found really strange because he's always been more effective as an orthodox fighter. But he's another one who's good. And then, lastly, Andre Ward.
0: Can I throw in one who's not? Dillian White. <laughs> when Dillian White walked out in a southpaw stance <laughs> against Chisora? <laughs> and then switched back within about a round, I think it was. <laughs> nah.
2: So over at his corner, they're all like, sn- uh, throat slitting... We thought you were joking, like, didn't we? What you? <laughs> you on about? We thought you were joking, <laughs> mate. Um, okay, DB0187. Uh, he actually asked a question earlier, but he said his actual question is, what are the chances to get Wilder or Parker over to fight Bellew? And the predictions should either come over. I think high.
0: I think there's a reason <laughs> Wilder was on the okay. punditry team. There's a reason he's been exposed to people over here over the last week. You didn't really need Wilder to be in there. <clears throat> you know, as part of the whole Sky set up for the last week, um, but he has been.
1: Listen, we all needed to hear Bomb Squad in the flesh. We needed that.
0: I think it sets up, you know, I said it before, when you had um, Chisora and White clash in a hotel uh, on IFL TV, they happened to be there when those two clash in a hotel lobby by the lifts and then major beef six months later they ended up headlining essentially a really poor undercard because it was a bigger fight than the Joshua fight Um, you know that was set up six months in advance you've brought over Tony Bellew you've filmed it on IFL TV there's that you know that's now in the public consciousness you've introduced Wilder to the Sky fans it will be probably four to six months before we see those two be my guess
2: Okay, uh, that's actually the end of our questions. No, there's
0: one from Ben Blackwell about Sam Sheedy.
2: Okay, yeah, apologies. Sam Sheedy has asked a question. No,
0: Ben Blackwell's asked a question.
2: Well, in a way, Sam Sheedy's asked questions of his corner team. He's
0: he's, asked the questions of his corner team. But
2: Ben Blackwell has asked the question, what do you make of this? And It's in reference to a story on The Star at K, And... So, Sheffield Sam Sheedy has threatened to fire his corner team after after winning the title.
0: Yeah, I think it was a Commonwealth title Sam Sheedy is fighting for uh, over the weekend, which, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those scenarios of like a good day to very bad news, isn't it, really? It's uh, everyone's talking about Joshua, you go off on something else, no one will ever notice. <laughs> um, yeah, so he said basically the corner work uh, mid round wasn't good enough. Uh and so they were shouting instructions to him and he was having to like turn his head and be able to to hear what they were telling him. So he comes out straight after he wins a title and starts slagging his team off. Um and then I think his corner team from what I understand went and left him anyway. Like straight after that. They said, Well, if you're gonna slate us, we'll just leave. Um what do we make of it? From a personal view, boxers have to be selfish. Boxers always have to be selfish, they're the number one most important thing, like their corner team are important, their management, all the stuff behind the scenes, but they are important, so if he feels that that corner team didn't do the the correct work for him, then he's got every right to sack him off, he doesn't have every right to come out in public and say they were shit or whatever, but he has every right to change his corner team, the way he's gone about it seems a little bit
2: strange. Like, Impassioned, I would say, if you had yeah, to explain
0: it. Yeah, I'm not sure the medium by which he came out, whether he just went to the uh, the newspaper like, straight after and started slagging yeah, him off. Yeah. That's a bit out of order. I, I mean, Terry's been in corners. He'll be able to give you the uh, the thought from that perspective. Um, so, Glyn Rhodes is a guy I know from my days in
1: Sheffield, Yorkshire through. Just a no-nonsense guy. And he trained a guy called Serge Young bomber, who's a friend of mine as well. Sacked him off when he wasn't showing the right kind of focus. Glynn's just old school. He's old school, and the old school values are: you're a boxer, you listen to your corner, and the reason you listen to your corner is they see the whole fight. Like, were you in the ring, you see what's happening, but you don't see the you don't see everything. There's there's only a handful of boxers who are skilled and experienced enough that they could probably box without corner assistance. Fury might be one. Mayweather was another there's a handful of guys but you imagine Joshua without a corner you'd be completely lost so your corner is valuable the first thing you learn in a corner is your fighters only gonna retain one or two things when you talk to them that's why if you look at guys like Rob McCracken he doesn't say too much in the corner he'll tell you you're doing well fine I just need you to do this one thing and you know that you need to pick one thing that if done correctly unlocks five other things because I don't want to tell you to do all those five things. I just want to tell you to do one thing and if you do that, it's easy. It's like Sometimes you just say to someone, look, you've shown them your power shots, just go back on your jab, control this round with the jab. That's it. You know, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Fine, fantastic. No pains? Nope, let's go. Nice and simple and you want to time it so the last thing your fighter hears is your instruction. Everything else is irrelevant. It's that last thing. That's all they'll take away into the next round. So, if, if his corner's panicking, that's a lack of experience, and that's getting too emotionally involved in the fight. Like, I, as a fan, I get super hyped about a fight. In the corner, I can't afford to be. I, I can't imagine
0: be. McCracken being super hyped about anything. Like, he could get a winning lottery ticket delivered naked by a supermodel, and he would not show a sign of emotion.
1: Which is why I like Rob McCracken. Like, when people say to me, oh, he's not a great trainer, true... But he's like Angelo Dundee in many ways, that he might not be the greatest technician, but he seems to have a bond with his fighters where they will walk through walls for him. And once he's established that, he just gives the most simple, common-sense instructions to a boxer, and that's what wins fights.
2: Uh, a brief preview of Canelo Chavez? Uh,
0: I think it's... a. Uh... I don't know, I don't get why it's happening. They said, what was it, a year back, Canelo needed, um, he was going to fight Triple G in September of this year, but he needed the time to build his way up to a full 160 pounds to make the middleweight division. Um, <clears throat> and then what's happened, he's taking on uh, Chavez Jr. at 164 pounds, 164 and a half, I think it is. Like, it just makes a little bit of a mockery of that, but not really a fight I care for. I get why it's happening. It's a big Mexican fight. I get that. I don't really understand why it's happening um, from a boxing perspective other than the money. Uh, I don't really care for it particularly. Chavez is always flattered to deceive as a fighter. Uh, This doesn't... You know, if Canelo wins it, yes, he's beaten a bigger man. I don't see what else it does for him. I think it's a smart move by
1: Golden Boy. So this is Golden Boy's scorched earth policy. What they're basically doing is taking every possible fight away from Golovkin until he has to come to the table begging for a fight because if you look at it right now who can Golovkin fight who Canelo hasn't fought or who's not likely to fight Canelo Billy Joe will likely fight Canelo in September you imagine Daniel Jacobs will hold off and fight Canelo in May for the payday that kind of leaves Golovkin with no dance partners of any credibility so September next year when they make the offer to Golovkin, he'll either have to accept it or wait another year. But it won't happen this year.
0: just want to give a shout out to, uh, before we go, by the way, um, Jordan James Foster of Portobello PR, who I know is going through a little bit of like um, personal stuff and what have you at the moment. And uh, he messaged me earlier to find out when the pod was going to be up because he said he's living off podcasts at the moment. <laughs> um, so- Stay
1: strong, man. And, and you know, we need that PR help sometimes too, man. Get, you know what I mean? We need to get to that. That, that magical two hundred thousand listeners a
0: year. <laughs> so yeah, just a shout out to John. He's a lovely, lovely yeah. bloke who I message occasionally. I've still not actually met him face to face, but I can tell you he's a nice soul and whatever. Mm-hmm. So get well soon, man. He's uh, he's a top man. Nice. Um, and
1: then my my lengthy ramble. Um, a big shout out to Umar Sadiq the guy who forced me to watch the Joshua Klitschko fight, which I was just going to boycott on just out of principle and the fact that Andy was singing Sweet Caroline, which disgusts me. <laughs> So he was the guy who really got me onto that. So, listen. You er
2: you mispronounced impressed.
1: Perfect. (laughs) Um, Look, everyone follow the guy. Um, Look, Instagram, Twitter, entertaining guy, man. Just watching his journey from amateur to pro. He very much is. Yeah, top boxer Sadiq, one of the smarter, more cerebral boxers out there, which is good. Um, He asked a question about, you know, was having Quig there, on the undercard to sell it in America. Quick answer is, or quick answer is, -ah!" but the real answer is the Americans probably aren't bought into Scott Quigg. He hasn't done anything for them. They're more concerned with Joshua. And I think they want to see Joshua in the ring against someone they can use as a barometer because Americans have never really liked Klitschko. So maybe if Heyman builds Ortiz right, that fight has some value down the line. Um, big shout out to Sam Smith at Alliance Boxing Club. I mean, they always look after me when I'm up in Leeds. If you're in Leeds or nearby, head up to Cross Gates and I mean, Alliance Boxing Club is as friendly as you want. Absolutely awesome Jim. So congratulations to those guys. Shout out to Dave Allen, man. Like just for being just for being honest and also just being, for being hilarious. Dave Allen. Yeah, well, good man he is. Next time he's in Leeds, hopefully we'll catch up, which is good. Um, shout out to Natasha Jonas just you know she knows why um, who else Brooke Streetfield now my friend on Facebook a lot of love for her she does a lot of work with with the grassing <laughs>
0: <laughs> the grassing what sorry ah, I, I don't want to uh, get
1: sued for stealing someone's catchphrase <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no she's doing a lot of work with the KO magazine I think it's called yeah. I can't the top of my head um, brilliant stuff with Frank Buglioni and David Allen this month and she's done some top stuff in there uh, around some younger lads. So she covered the last show for Goodwin down there. And she's covered various things. I'm just waiting for her to cover the work that we do and give us a shout out. So Brooke, yes,
1: you know where we're at. Exactly. Drive, the, drive that traffic to us. Where we look after everyone who looks after Actually, us. Actually, Brooks
0: said she'll come on here one week. Yeah, we'll get her on.
1: She knows <laughs> do, her boxing. We might need to keep her away from Andy, though. <laughs> um, shouts out to the guys at Ammo, man. The gloves are still feeling good. Uh, I mean, feeling from him is good. Lennox had a little touch of them. He liked him, you know, shout out to Lennox Lewis for just being absolutely awesome. So he came down to Fitzroy Lodge and we had a good few hours. Like he didn't rush, stayed. We talked boxing. We talked everything man. And he's, he's truly a great of the sport because he carries himself like a legend as well. So it was
0: good to catch up with him. Shout out to Old El Paso. I had a decent fajita last night.
2: Obviously JD Sports King of Trainers. JD Sports King of Yeah. No. Not to mention Ammo Gloves. Old El Paso. If you want to get on the sponsorship bandwagon. Yeah. Like what I him. love is when people send shit to Terry and not to us, and then he bangs on about it for three weeks. I'll take a free fajita. What kid. I love. That but is- but listen listen,
1: I want to pull up the JFB guys right. <laughs> if you're going to put videos up of people doing stuff that kind of looks like coaching. You might want to get someone who's of that level, man. It makes the videos look right because I was distressed.
2: That's you what I to Do you say. know some other people, Terry, who they could get in touch with?
1: Um, they could get in touch with Andy White. Like you'll be surprised. <laughs> that, I would be surprised. Uh, after his outburst on Sassad, and Andy's level- an expert on coaching, refing, and judging.
2: What I can guarantee one hundred percent is if you showed me coaching, it would make your other videos look more professional. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I can absolutely guarantee. <laughs> Okay, we've reached the end. I I believe. Have you cut Terry off. No, feel- no, nah, nah, look.
1: Oh. Look, newageboxing.co.uk. Oh, right, yeah.
2: You got to get behind
1: the seven We're back on the old domain. They tried to steal it, but I fought for it, got it
0: back, Good man.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Ailing was. With- <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he wasn't. He wasn't. I deny everything. Um listen, we said it before. Who's about on May 20th? Man? Let's let's try and get everyone together at some point you know may 20th if you're up for that gravante davis leon wall shit fest just come down yeah we're going we are we'll be there i mean fight talk are you there pep talk are you there jfb are you there who's there get down
2: get down down, yeah
1: everyone get your asses down there and remember follow us share this man why people read you're listening and not retweeting and sharing come on man don't keep do the secret. No, but not enough. Like, come on, this, this is golden. Like Pinyo, Pinyo retweet this. Get your nan involved. You know what I mean? Your nan will love this. Like, you know what I mean? They're all at home and there's no grandkids or nothing. And they're there. Like, I just want to hear three guys just put the world to rights. We've done it. My Share nan. it.
0: My nan really wouldn't.
2: <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Sending you questions next week. Peace. Um and I'm that done. is it. We're done. Done.
1: i it gonna beat it up, i it gonna it up, i it up i it up hard.